50 Satoko dead inside sprites. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Satoko with a collar. And then Satoko with a collar. And a big old Just smile. Doing the, it's, the, it's really the smile that it doesn't change at all. Yeah. <laughs> and and because of the proportions of the sprite, how freaking big the collar is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> I looked at the other ones, like the modern versions, it's like, oh, it's a tiny little thing. Yeah, it's a tiny neck. little, and, like, almost choker-like. Yeah, but in the old version... It's, it's just like a gigantic dude. fucking belt. <laughs> it's like a, for like a mastiff. Yeah. Is that a big dog? That sounds like a big dog. That's it has mass in the name. It's got, yeah, I was yeah. about to say, it's got mass in it, so that that's probably... That, that's how... That, that, that That's how verbiage works, I believe. Do I sound different? No, you sound fine. Oh, no, I mean spiritually, because I am no longer weighed down by endless digital detritus oh. i've cleansed so much of my spirit you uh you condoed the shit out of yourself this 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 week i know instead of playing video games I've, got, I've still got my desktop in the fridge so that's the last thing to get rid of say you still got your desktop in the fridge i probably said that but i meant in the closet okay because you did okay say you definitely fridge. said fridge all right he definitely said fridge there and i was like what you got it where are you having cooling issues? Can you not get fans? <laughs> I have to imagine the humidity might not be good for finer computer parts, but whatever gets you going. Okay, Taylor says a Mastiff is the biggest dog. Oh shit. So that was so that was the exactly correct poll. Exactly. I am you could John Fire dog expert. Could not have been more fucking on point. Mm-hmm. With that observation, with that, with that anecdote, with that quip, I'm just on fire, a hundred percent of the time, 365 days a year. I'm on, on it. Yeah, you like you like you were playing NBA Jam and you entered the code to just always be on fire the whole game. <laughs> Every basket just singes the fuck out of the net. Just whoosh. <laughs> this is a good image. Dude, NBA Jam is the shit. More people. Yeah, I had it as a kid. Oh, you did. Yeah. You didn't strike. You don't strike me as an NBA Jam kind of, kind of kid. You strike me more as like Bach and Beethoven kind of kid. I had NBA Jam, and we had the the baseball game for the Super Nintendo. Uh, I don't know which one it was. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run, or Ken Griffey Jr. MLB. That sounds about right. Yeah, King Griffey um, Jr. The first King Griffey Jr. game on the SNES was so fucking good, and it had that fucking um, uh, Tim Fallon soundtrack. Dude. Ooh, oh, nifty! That um, Ken Griffey presents MLB. Yeah, that's the one I like. Winning Run is not good. That's the one they made with Rare, where they where they were, where everything was like, let's do more pre-rendered games that aren't good. Yeah, I don't think this is the one because it looks too, looks and sounds too good. I think I had the rare one because I remember thinking NBA Jam sounds good, mm-hmm. and then but it sounds and felt good, and then this one felt like a shovelware game. What was uh, the re- winning run? Uh, yeah, winning run is the rare one, and then King Griffey Jr. presents MLB is like the really really good one. That's like that's pr- that and Baseball Stars Two are my favorite baseball games. It wasn't either of these. Weird. I wonder what I had. Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> baseball simulator? Because that was like where you had like thunder pitches and like earthquake balls and shit. It was ridiculous. 
All right, I could look through every single. I have a video up of every single SNES baseball. All game. right, John, we could we, keep doing that, we or we could actually know. podcast. We have to know. All right, all right, all right. We're in it. You can right, just not this one. You can just slide. This one. You can scrub it. Super Baseball 2020, something like that. That's probably what it was, because that was a really good. That one was with. Uh, I think that one had all robots, as did Base Wars on NES. This one looks right. What is? Which one is this? Oh my god, this video, does this video not have fucking names? Oh, that's oh, no. terrible. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. It's 6.45. Um, is it Roger Clemens MVP Baseball? I've literally never, I've never played that one. Roger you... Clemens MVP, this is, this is podcast. This, this is, is radio prime poison. content. Like, this is exactly <laughs> how I wanted to start a podcast. Are you, are you sure? Yes. Are you spot? All right. Uh, I think that cover looks the same. I believe it was. Oh Ken man, Gr- Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. No, that's the bad one. Oh, Ken well, Griffey Jr. Because it's, like, it's, it's number sixty-one on the top on SucksMakesPeopleSexy.net's top one hundred fifteen uh, best games. Ken, Gr- Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball is way better. It's this think- one. I'm gonna post it in the chat. I'm gonna post it in the chat. In. All right. Super bases loaded was number eighty-two. That hmm. there are like twenty. There are like twenty baseball games on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, this like looks they're... real boring. This is not fun. This isn't fun baseball. Like King the Griffey best Jr. one. The Which, best. Can you say one the name one, one more time? What's the good? What's the good one? The one good more time one about? is Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. Griffey. That game's great. It's got such a fucking vibe to it. Cool. Yeah, no, this one does not. This one, you can see how it just looks very cheap. Yeah, it's just, hey, I'm a baseball game uh, that is licensed after probably a real guy. I have to imagine Roger Clemens is a real guy. And that he was probably an MVP at some point. I don't think that that's something you can just claim to be in baseball, right? Like, you have to actually win an award for that, maybe. Like, can can you be an MVP in baseball and like, or is that, is that a voted thing where they have to vote on it? Well, let's ask them. None of us have any fucking idea. I know but they have yes. to vote. I know they have to vote on the All Star game and who who gets to play in that. So I wasn't sure if like an MVP was something you had to vote on or if that was just like given out at some you know whoever's discretion. Right? You could just be like, I'm the like I could just be podcast MVP. Like fuck the, the two of you. I'm the MVP. Player. It is the most valuable player award in Major League Baseball, and it's given to a player in each league who has contributed the most to the success of the player's team. Mm-hmm. It is awarded by the Baseball Writers Association of America. So, if Polly, if you appeal to the Baseball Writers Association of America, maybe you can become the MVP. I'm the most valuable, Polly. <laughs> I can tell you another sports fact. You want another sports fact? I can tell you something interesting. Tell right. us. Tell you us. Know, We're on pins you, and needles. Do you know how to calculate a pitcher's earned run average? I thought that was going to be a joke. No, it's not a joke. I'm just going to give you. I'm just going to give you a straight oh, maybe, up fact. Maybe this is the joke. All right, Polly. What? How do you? How do you calculate a pitcher's something average? Earned run average. So you take the number of earned runs that uh, any appearance by that pitcher made, times it by nine, and divide it by the number of innings pitched. That is how you determine a pitcher's earned run average. I know because instead of having instead of doing PE. 
I wanted to do other things because um, you know I was a, a wussy kid, um, mm-hmm. and we're know, all there. Yeah, I like I'm sure that with a kid I'm sure that we were all that kid that didn't want to be in PE at all. So I would find ways to not be P- be in PE. So I was just like, I'll just do stats or something. And like the the PE teacher didn't like me anyway. So he was like, well, whatever, just do stats. So, so then I went and just found out how you do all the stats. And I like for like like when they were playing baseball. Um, anytime they played baseball, I would just be the person keeping track of stats and running the scoreboard. I really like that. That's cool. You hated you hated sports so much that you did math instead. Yeah, <laughs> I. That's exactly how much I fucking hate actually being around and moving. Oof. I mean, it's it's less about being around and and moving and just be like you know that whole PE environment. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, nobody yeah. wants to be there. It's like I don't I don't have to go take a shower if all I'm doing is crunching numbers for you know for like an hour and a half. Facts. I remember sitting. I remember finding spots where I could do homework for other classes. There you go. It was very casual. In uh, in middle school, my uh, my middle school had arcade machines in in the gymnasium up in the up oh. near. So I would just sneak off up there and and play. Uh, uh, we had uh, we had NBA Jam and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So oh, that's a nice loadout. Yeah, like those were great. I could go up there, just play those, and no, like nobody seemed to care after a certain point. <laughs> like like in high school, there was literally just like. If you were there, they just counted that, and you were just like, okay, like, and then there would be activities that they were doing, but I would just kind of slink off to the upper portion of the gymnasium and just play the games. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it was great. Extremely funny. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to High School Stories. Well, it won me over. I was I started off just like, are we good? Is this is this really okay podcasting? But then it became like warm and personable. Just we're just hanging out. We're telling. We're talk. We're learning about each other. John, you have to trust You're me. Nice. You have to trust. Absolutely. I, you have to trust that I can take a turd of a podcast and at least <laughs> make it an entertaining turd. <laughs> I think that I think that I like in seven years of having done this, I think that I've earned that trust. Absolutely. Cool. So welcome to episode 138. That's a whole big number. Still just getting bigger. Yep. Still just getting bigger. <laughs> getting bigger. And it's upsetting to you all every time. I think like I, I think that like if everything goes right, like the end like like our, our game of the year might actually be 150. I'm not sure. Oh, it might end up it might end up like like kinda like like I don't know if you could end up with something as perfect as our one hundredth episode happening exactly on our fifth anniversary. I don't yeah. know if you could ever get anything cool ha- to happen like that again. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, it might work out that way. I don't know. I'm not going to force it to, obviously, but it's just like I was thinking about that. It's like, that number, you know, like, yeah, I could see there being like 12 episodes left. Excellent. There, there's like a little over six months left, you know, in the year, which is weird to think about, seeing as this year is uh, almost already halfway gone. What the fuck? What happened? What happened? Seriously, we got all. We still got a month and a half before halfway there. Yeah, like there's a whole lot of things that you can squeeze in I, before the year's halfway done. Like more than twelve podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> to my immediate... real heart. Can yeah, you imagine yeah. if we did? That? Can you imagine if we just did 
if we squeeze twelve podcast, twelve of the twelve three hour oh, around podcasts well, I mean, into that span of time, it'd be, we did, it'd be twice a week. We did more podcasts last year than we have any year ever. That's so, true. So, so I mean, we could do it because I mean, we did like lots of special podcasts last year, like with anime of the decade, uh, game of the decade, like that stuff. At that stuff ended up adding up uh, over the course of. Uh, over the course of the year. So, had, so like the podcast page for 2020 is pretty big. To my immediate virtual Wait, right, would you, to my immediate virtual right, he came from the clouds on a missile to turn this whole town into dust. Threat. Hello. Hey. Hey. How you doing? Fine. You doing, doing fine? Dude, a whole lot of podcast energy right here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is yeah. We're here, we're here. Existing. I'm just sitting here because like I know what's coming up. I've got another baseball set oh. if you want it. You got a you got more baseball for us? Uh, just a little bit. Roger Clemens pitched for the Red Sox mm-hmm. from '84 to '96, mm-hmm. so I definitely knew who he was. Oh, okay, okay. Because you know that's the local team. Yeah, yeah. And then he went to New York, and everybody probably hated him after that. Isn't that how it always goes though? <laughs> it's like when sports guy leaves team. After yeah. a, a large number of years, like, oh, now you've got to hate him. Now you're dead to us. Yeah, you're dead to us. Brady. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck Tom Brady. Who fucking cares? That's a, that's a football had... guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Tom Brady. He, Go ahead, Fred. He got like five rings or something mm-hmm. with the Patriots. And then he left, and immediately they won the Super Bowl again on his new team. Oh, it's like, yep, yeah. fuck, damn. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> man, that's got to sting a little bit. Oh yeah, everybody hates him now. <laughs> well, I mean, I think most people, lately? I think a lot of sensible yeah. people just don't like him because he's one of those big old loud. Oh, I know, loud, yeah. good old boy, white Christian guys. Yeah. <laughs> To my media virtual left, he's unmentionably fresh. He's a mensch. It's John Thayer. Hi. Hey. I've got lots of good energy I'm bringing to this one. Yep. <laughs> that, yep. <laughs> oh, that was pained. That's all I got for that. I think it's worse than you think it's going to be. No, no, it's, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's, that's the word I'm thinking of. Fun. It'll all be fun. Holly's nap time. Yeah, just like, you know what? They're going to go for a fucking hour. I'm just going to take these earbuds off. <laughs> just pass. That's when I'm going to go. That's when I'm going to go start grabbing the white Russians, I think. <laughs> oh, I just like a hot toddy. There you go. I, I learned how to make those at my place. I'm happy. My it. parents used to give me hot toddies when... I would get very sick as a child. <laughs> and I didn't know until much later in life that, oh, that's like an alcoholic thing. Because <laughs> to me, it was just like, ooh, this is some yummy, tasty go-to-sleep juice. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were absolutely lovely. Don't get me wrong. But it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like. I, I come from somewhere that was pretty close to the south, I guess you could say. So it was a remedy. It was a home remedy uh, for when you were sick. Uh, so, yeah. 
Hot toddies were something that I was literally downing when I was like seven years old. It's so that's so funny. It's so it's so good. When you're sick, it's fine. Exactly. It's like perfect. like I said, like I said, it's very yummy. Go to sleep, juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's maybe better than um, the one one lady I knew one time who would. <laughs> would give her kids Benadryl and then lock them in their bedroom. <laughs> I think oh, that... Shit. I think mine's probably a lot less abusive than that. Oh. <gasps> we talk about real happy things on the on this podcast, people. <laughs> Benadryl's a choice. That's what, that's what we got. That's right. That's for we sure. Got, we got baseball. We got, we got underage drinking. We have child <laughs> abuse. We just run the gamut here at SoxCast HQ, and gosh, we're just glad you're along for the ride. (laughs) Couldn't be more appreciative. John Thire. Yeah. What are you you doing? Oh, I got some good stuff. I got got some powerful stuff for this episode. You you are going to be the power top this episode. (laughs) Exactly. All right. As always. As always. always the energy I bring to the podcast, I feel like. I think so. Um, I finished Ruby. Got all caught up. It's not finished. Like there's more seasons coming out. So I get now. I get now. I'm caught up, mm. and I get to be part of the the Ruby oh, the, part of the Ruby zeitgeist each year. Do they the do they cycle. do they just release like whole seasons at once for those, or do they just do or, or are they a week? week? Oh, or is it a once, or is it a yeah. weekly thing? It's a weekly thing. So, but there's only like 14 eps, so it's like three months at once. Three months, literally every year since 2013. Mm. <laughs> Like the they have three months Christmas. Like no, it's gonna be so fun. I'll probably wait and, and eat it all at once. That's like, like I don't, I don't know how much I'm into like keeping up with things that air yeah. week to week anymore. If they have like a uh, 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 a continuing story, like mm-hmm. I, like the only thing I'm watching right now is that Nagatoro anime, mm-hmm. um, and that's like that's just cheesecake fluff. Like, that's yeah. not, like, an ongoing story that I have to get invested in. But if it's something like Attack on Titan, like, I have to kind of really think, like, do I really want to watch that over the course of 14 weeks, or do oh. I want to binge it on a Saturday night? I love binging that show in particular. Yeah, yeah I, I think that one in particular has to be, it, like, it's way more bingeable, I think. The worst is being, like, so John's in that awkward place now where you binged the first, like, what, eight seasons of Ruby? No, I, only, I watched seasons one through five multiple times a piece. Back oh, in the day. So right, I, right, I just right. Watched, I just watched okay, seasons well, three through eight. Okay, so you binged like the the newer ones. I so, very like, much binged them. April 29th to April thirtieth. Watched yeah. Ruby season six. May second to May third. Watched Ruby season seven. May fourth to May fifth. Watched Ruby season eight. <laughs> but now it's like if you go back to watching week to week, it's awkward and like nah. unsatisfying because you're only getting like twenty minutes at once. But if mm. you follow anyone who does do that and they're posting about it every week, then you're like, oh, now I have to keep up because I understand the spoilers. Mm. I don't think that's going to be a huge risk with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by my timeline the last uh, three years, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's that's going to be something I have to worry about when season nine rolls along. Because for stuff uh, I watch, it's like, if they do a new season and I like to binge stuff and then everybody I follow starts tweeting about it, it's kind of like, uh, you feel pressured into keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, se- season seven and eight, I think, are the best the show's ever been. 
Mm. Like that's that's a nice thing to come yeah. to, right? Um, late in the shows, coming back to a show like this. Like I feel like the show is like moving and hit its stride in a major way. Um, the end of season eight sets up the basically the main villain has arrived with a Death Star, and that's where we're at. And then half like I'm I'm just kind of spoiling things because I know y'all give <laughs> too big of a shit. Yeah. But like they resolve that temporarily halfway through season eight. Like they just resolve that big thing that kind of thought was going to be the whole thrust of the season. And it means that instead of the villain, instead of basically the big Emperor Palpatine villain with the big scary monster, they're like the way more quiet, intimate villains with way more immediate human motivations. Um are the actual scary threat for the whole rest of the season. Mm. Um, so like the way, basically the whole way season eight goes is just really rad. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, the, the show is just good at stakes. Generally it's pretty, it's pretty good at stakes. Generally like the, they set up all the, we talked last week, last time about all the silly magic systems, mm-hmm. but after like volume four or so, they have basically established all of the rules and they're not really introducing a whole lot of new ones. Um, so all of the little rules, they just kind of make sense now. And it's like they have, so, so they just, the, the visual shorthand is very strong. Like when a character, when the magic fluff, when the magic sparkles off their body, Oh, that's their shield, their aura broke. And now they're now, if they get hit again, they're as vulnerable as a regular human. And it's scary. Like there's a very clear vocabulary now to the action that makes it <clears throat> that makes it exciting, mm. um, and the characters pretty much make sense. Um, it's just kind of it's doing sort of the Avatar: Last Airbender thing, and it's pretty good at it. Um, I was getting like pretty excited, and then like I cut it like right in the middle of like season eight and watched a couple episodes of Ducktales <laughs> with my Ducktales <laughs> friend, and it was just like. Ooh, this is a lot more dense with like jokes and stuff happening and energy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and animation. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, I kind of see. Um, where I was kind of getting ready to be like, this is fucking great. Um, but it was sort of like when I got Rhett to watch that um Sow season where I was like, No, you don't understand, this is so much better. But then you get another person to watch it and you're like this is 14 episodes and like it probably didn't need to be. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not that bad as the South season I got read to watch. Mm. Um, but like, I don't think it's like great TV. It's just like, it's moving along at a nice pace. I feel like I trust the show to take me in interesting directions. I feel like I trust it to resolve things in satisfying explosive ways. Sure. Um, I'm not going to, go around trying to drag people into this one. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty decent one of those. If you like that kind of, if you like that kind of thing. Mm. I think most so people I, probably made their mind up about Ruby yeah. at this point. Like you're either there or you're not. And I don't really know that there's much that's going to convince anybody. Well, I mean, they're not already there. The, the, internet, the internet really wants to, con- to convince everybody that Ruby's bad and horrible now. Mm. See, that's the thing, is that the, the distance between what the show is mm-hmm. and the discourse I've seen about it is so wildly disparate that it's very frustrating. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I, kind of, I don't really care now because it's been a week, but like, mm-hmm. I was sort of like, I don't understand. Why are people being so stupid about this? I don't, it's like, it's just like, and it it's, really just comes down to people 
like I need YouTube video. I need YouTube yeah. views. <laughs> and if I talk about Ruby and how bad it is, man, check it out. I get some views. I taught. I made a ninety-minute video talking about how much I don't like Ruby. It's so good, everybody. Who wants to listen oh, to some? Oh, who doesn't want to listen to somebody talk for ninety whole minutes about something they don't like? I think the H bomber guy vid is like two and a half hours. Oh, oh my god! god. And, he, like, and apparently he focuses on like the first three seasons, so it's like the show doesn't even really start until the third season. Right. So like when you're just talking about that, and and I didn't fucking watch it because I couldn't stomach that. I can't stomach that shit yeah. anymore. But like apparently the big narrative is just like I've always loved Monty Um. I've always loved all of his past stuff. Da 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 da. da. Then these people shat all over that vision, and I'm just like, really? what are you talking about? What are you saying? Nothing happens in the first two seasons. It's all just set up. And then, like, it, in the first, at this point, the first two seasons where Um was at the helm comprised like 20, 10 to 20% of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it, that seems like a very it seems like a very boring narrative to try to spin out of something that is obviously much bigger than John. I gotta ask you a question. Go for it. How much more class do I have if I think that the first two Modest Mouse albums are the absolute best and nothing they did after that was worth a damn at all? How much more class do how much more class do I have? How much better is my taste overall than everybody else? <laughs> if I say that those first two Modest Mouse albums are the only ones that are really worth a damn, see, I, I know that I know that's probably a very good metaphor for some people. If you if you said I only like the first two Pink Floyd albums, like that would be a, the touchstone for me. Yeah, it's a similar thing though. Like like similar, I, similar yeah. vibe. Okay, cool. Holly, I think the first two like Modest the Mouse albums. Pink Floyd albums. Mm. I'm look, I lo- I look, loaded up Wikipedia. I think the first two Modest Al- Modest Mouse albums are the ones I haven't heard. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you sent me all the others. Wait, what? I definitely have the moon in Ar- Antarctica and the uh-huh. good people for, for people who love bad news, and we were de- dead before the ship even sank. I have all those. I haven't heard. I did not two. send you this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about and Lonesome Crowded I West? I don't think so. Wow. Those are really so good. Touchstone. Maybe yeah, I apparently. thought that you wouldn't like them because they're kind of heady. They're kind of messy. They're really like... They're not the greatest mixed albums in the world. They're very raw and, and just kind of gritty. Uh, but I like them for that. Cool. Uh, and they're it's, the best ones. You were being, Tommy, you were being sincere. Taste. And I was... Yes. And I was not about Pink Floyd, for the record. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Nerd says that they really enjoyed that video because it felt mirrored what they felt about seasons one through four. That's another thing, is that season four is like... That's the one that happens after the big explosion where everything goes to hell mm-hmm. and where the story starts in season three. Um, and then season four is very low key and not a lot happens in it because it's just sort of the, we are picking up the pieces after this disaster and several major characters died. And then after that season five, six, seven, eight, a bunch of shit happens every single season. Mm. Um, and I remember seeing a ton of discourse about season four out at the time. Like this is, Oh, the show's gone to hell. Da 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 da. But when you're just, watching them back to back it's like no this pretty much makes sense Mm. (laughs) with what the show is here i remember really liking season four when it came out because i was like oh shit it's like a real tv show now this is great 
Uh, it's not it's not great, but it feels like an actual show now. I'm I'm on board. Okay. Um, and then I I think everybody else has this just like very different. I think a lot of people came into it being familiar with Um's past work, mm-hmm. and I think that um their priorities were different than mine because I think a lot of people came into the show wanting the cool fight scenes. Yeah. And the cool, big anime, ridiculous fight scenes. And I, they, I guess they had those in the first two seasons. I never really gave a shit about them because there are no stakes and I didn't care about anybody. Like it's, it's cute and funny, I guess. Kind of. I know the touchstone here. It's like, if you only think, Saber versus Berserker is the good fight in movie two. It's pretty much like if you're like Red and you like Simpogi. <laughs> maybe you'd like, maybe you only like that. Sorry. Just true epitome of taste. <laughs> um, but like, I cared about the show once it, once it started having stakes and the characters starting having like arcs each season, um, which was around season three. Um, so I don't mean that to like shit talk the the guy. I think, I think that he made, he obviously brought a ton of the vibe and brought a lot of love world to love to these characters and they, and established a a really cool language. Um, but for me, the show became what it, what, what I, something I'm interested in once it really kind of embraced that high stakes after last airbender, Harry Potter type story overarching narrative yeah um and i think it's a pretty good one of those um i will see how it goes i'll probably watch each season once a year and then hopefully it'll wrap up around season 11 or 12 um or i guess it could keep going forever i don't know (laughs) that's my kind of fear is like i like stories that have an ending yeah eventually and like with this kind of being a bread and butter kind of thing makes me wonder if like they have like if there's an if they are in any way thinking in the game with this yet yeah, the way it you said like, like Palpatine it. and the Death Star showed up, and then they resolved it halfway through the season. I was just like, "Oh, I thought that was going to be like the thing going forward." Oh no, no, they didn't resolve. They they temporarily resolved. Okay. It. They, gave, they like gave a they gave a they, a character made a very major sacrifice, and they pa- they were able to pause the Death Star threat for a little while for the rest of that season, and then and now and it's about to come back in a major way. Okay. Um, also all the care and also all the major characters have fallen into a time space void. So the, re- the next season is going to take place in like another world. It's going to be exciting. So I'm oh, excited. it's an isekai now. It's an isekai now. Um, and they managed to kill a care. They, they managed to kill. There's two episodes where that start with like content warning themes of death. It's, it's, this is a rough one y'all. Um, and then both of them managed to kill off characters that I was not expecting them to. And it hurts. Mm. They got me in the last one. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, you got me there. Oh, oh, that's smarts. Um, so it, it seems like a thing where the discourse is very stupid. And I think a lot of every every time I see people's opinions on like volume seven and eight, it's always like, this is lazy writing because they killed off a character to make people feel things. I'm like, yeah. That became like like any time like I see that any time a character dies in something now is that oh it's lazy and you did it for easy uh, you know you know for like for like real quick uh, emotional um, you know it's just like Game of Thrones yeah like anytime somebody <laughs> dies in something for real now and, and like the writers aren't you know like are adamant about not pulling back on it like I see that mm-hmm. now it's just like oh, it's just emotional torture porn now I was like what 
Game yeah, of Thrones and that's just invented killing ahead, characters. Right. Game of Thrones invented killing characters. Of course. Well, I don't know. They, <laughs> killed, they killed a main character in Persona Five, so uh, I that, wasn't sure. That was so I didn't see sure. That was kind of that. Like, who cares? It's Persona Five. Its story's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of and I I only watched a season and a half of Game of Thrones, but I thought it seemed pretty good in a lot of ways. So. Mm-hmm. But I, I stopped being invested once it obviously went to hell later on. Yeah, right, right. So I was like, okay, I don't really feel like I need to catch up with that one. Yeah, and then you made that hour and a half video about how Game of Thrones <laughs> went to hell. It was a real weird time for oh, you. Oh, believe me, I'm sure there's a whole industry of oh, Game of Thrones like, last yeah. season is bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the streaker to taking this extremely universal opinion. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like again, like I remember people people using like that show as a touchstone for. Oh, it's just, just stupid and lazy when they kill characters. And I'm like, I actually remember at the end of that first season where they kill off the main character, and it was actually really cool and good. That yeah. was good writing and storytelling, actually. And I think I think Ruby's been smart about it. Um, they kind of bring back a character, but it's like the one character where it kind of makes sense that they could do that. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'll kind of. I'll stomach that, and they haven't pulled back with anybody else, so I'm just like, okay, fine. Um, so, any in questions? Last episode, in the last episode of Ruby, a character yeah. is going to appear with magical nipple lasers that revive everybody. Hey, Mike, you make comes up every episode now. <laughs> it's got a streak now. You have to keep it alive. <laughs> Oh my god, people really, yeah, because I was on my brain because I just watched Monica again. I was just like, boy, I really hate how a lot of people talk about stories now, especially like long-form fantasy stories. Oh, people, people's brains are fucking broken about this shit. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is this is all good. Like they, oh, they kill off. They they kill a character in in season seven. They they a character who has been in a really rough patch for a long time makes a new friend over the course of the season and it feels so good and it feels so right and then he dies at the end in the most like painful way possible and i'm just yes give me this give me this put it in my veins um i have one other long form fantasy story i'd like to bring up Mm -hmm. um i've played through fate grand order the camelot arc i talked about this a little bit last time um, but I told y'all how I played a bunch of the first, the, a bunch of the game over the last two and a half years, and it was all wretched and bad. That 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 question mark? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This one is really fucking good. <laughs> this is just like really good the whole time. It's just like it's it's so funny because it's literally just like okay, we have writing now. <laughs> we just. We introduce things at the start of the arc, and then they pay off later on in the arc. Mm. We have characters, and stuff happens, and stuff that's scary happens, and there are stakes. We characters don't aren't just there to make jokes about how they like boobs or whatever the fuck was in <laughs> the first five arc, the fucking Higashide arcs, because um, three of those first five arcs were written by the Fate Apocrypha guy, and they're right. all terrible. Yeah. Um, 
And then the other two were by the Fate prototype author, and they were just completely nothing. They were just no, they're just nothing in my brain. I remember thinking the very last one was pretty was a lot better than the preceding ones, America. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's a year later, and I remember fucking nothing about it. <laughs> it's like nope, not better. It was all fucking white noise. Um, and I, I realized like okay, I'm gonna try to enjoy playing this game. And that's how I'm going to get through all this stuff. And I figured that out. And it took a while. I grinded a lot. And Fate Grand Order Camelot is just a 10 to 15 hour RPG. It has an actual story with actual writing. It has stuff happening that matters to the main characters and the overarching plot instead of just the singularity. Um... And it has a whole bunch of really cool, crunchy boss fights. Um, the Knights of the Round Table are the main are the main boss gauntlet, and like you fight all of them multiple times throughout the arc. Often, like getting by just by the skin of your teeth, you fight Mordred Ret. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And her gimmick is that she got, received a get. The, the villain is King Arth- is Arth- is Arturia. By the way, it's great. It's a different Arturia, but in a very good way. Um, her gimmick is that she uses her noble phantasm every single turn, which is very unusual. She just charges her limit break and then uses it every turn. So you have to like figure out ways to block it, which are very limited and, and just hammer her down before she, before she, before she just inevitably kills your whole party. And it's really dope. (laughs) So like, there's a bunch of cool boss gimmicks like that. And they're very memorable, and they're cool, good moments. Um, and then the final, the climax is like this really cool JRPG climax with like a big scary villain that wants to save humanity by preserving it in her magic spear that won't there where they won't change. Just finding the best humans and then preserving them in her spear where they won't grow old or change or die. They'll just be frozen, safe and preserved from the overarching threat. And then you and then you have a big JRPG monologue against her and its rules and Mash is in it. Mash has a bunch of great story moments in it. So I'm just like, oh fuck, okay. Thank you for pulling me back on board. I feel very rewarded. This is not worth <laughs> playing the rest of the game mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy playing it. This is there is no reason to play this if you don't want to actually engage with the math puzzle fighting and grinding up characters. Like, if you don't do, if you, and, and also, of course, dealing with fucking evil gambling bullshit. Um, so, like, the only reason to engage with this game is if you like playing with the math puzzle fighting. Um, and then this is the part where the story actually kind of catches up with the fighting in terms of the fighting was probably pretty fun the whole time. And I just didn't engage with it. Um, and now the writing is fun, too. And the next one is Babylon, so I get to see Ishtar and get in shirtless Gilgamesh. I'm excited. All your wives. All of the wives. All the best wives. And that's the fake Grand Order update until I play through Babylon. Rhett! I... Did you talk about Hunt Down last week? No, I was going to talk about it. I was going to talk about it in the next segment. Okay. That's my only other thing. Excuse me. Did well, you play it? your only other thing. Uh, I've really not played any video games for the last uh, 
two weeks. What? You've not played video games. That's I mean, weird. I, I know. I I stole Polly's bit. Was just like, man, just just not feeling anything right now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I had Halo: The Master Chief Collection, and I've never played any Halo games. I played I played a mission of Reach, and was like, oh, hate this. <laughs> and I played. Oh. And I played two missions of the original game. It was just like, this is fun. And then felt no need to go back to it. It was just like, oh, no. And then this is is the wild one. This is my counter to John's like, wouldn't it be funny if I watched Ruby? Oh, my God. A couple weeks ago, I installed Rage 2. (laughs) Such a random pull. Because it was was free on the Epic Store at one point. Right. Okay. uh, and I played and beat the original one, which people do not like. Yeah, either. that's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the one thing about the original is that the shooting is very fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it was, you know, an id software game and it was before Doom, like the remake mm-hmm. or Doom 4, whatever they want to call it. So mm-hmm. Rage 2, the shooting's very good. And then I still felt no need to go back to it because it also has this big, empty, open world that you oh, drive around in. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. yeah. I forgot about that. So it's like, okay, the shooting's very fun, but there's also, you know, RPG stuff and levels. And it's like, okay, I'm level two. These guys are level 10. They they fuck my shit up. Mm. That's what I love from the creators of Doom. Yep. And and also the creators of Just Cause. Apparently, like, the open world huh. stuff was done by Avalanche. Oh, weird. So it's it's all it's got very good explosions. But hey, all right. Got, yeah, I like it when like, things blow up real good. Yeah, so it's like this game has those elements. Like I also played and beat the Mad Max game, which they did. Yeah, and like seems like that was their A team, and Just Cause Three was actually like the B team. But which is weird considering. Oh, yeah. No one seems to really like Just Cause Three for some reason. Well, it was also I'm... riddled with a bunch of technical issues as well. Oh god, it ran it... like shit yeah, it ran like consoles. shit on everything. I know. I'm now. I'm like, my new PC will definitely be able to handle that. Probably, probably. <laughs> to imagine if it couldn't. That if the fit. I mean, if something's just like... so badly optimized, it could still run yeah. like shit on a top tier system. Yeah. So yeah, I had like two hours of fun in Rage Two, and then it was just like, yep. Do not feel like coming back to this either, because it was <sighs> it t- immediately turned into like driving around and not knowing yeah. where to go. Yeah, but the shooting very fun. That's like of the three I'm going to mention. That's like the one I'm most likely likely to go back to because I haven't un- uninstalled it yet. Because mm. then I also played like eight hours of Control, oh. which is the newer Remedy game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I really like just uh, Max Payne. Yeah. And I really liked uh, Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. I didn't play Quantum Break. And I really just don't like this one. Oh, oh no! That's such a shame. I'm an, I, I have a friend who just finished like a whole Remedy marathon because yeah. he liked Control so much. He went and played Max Payne. He went and played Alan Wake. He nice. went and played Quantum Break and had a great time with all of them. Mm. Go ahead. It's just like... There's just something in control about the combat that I just don't find fun. It just seems like a super, super basic third-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Or That's it's weird like... because that game looks like... There's a game on PS2 and Xbox that I really like called PsyOps mm-hmm. The Mind Gate Conspiracy. 
yeah. where you get psychic powers and you can do shit like throw shit in the environment at enemies or like lift enemies up, shoot them to pieces and then throw them into other people and shit. Uh, and that's a PS2 game. And that's what I thought yeah. Control was going to be. So you do have a gravity thing. You basically have kind of a gravity gun Half-Life 2 style. Mm-hmm. And it's also very smart where like it'll just, it has, like when you go to, you press the button to shoot something or grab something, mm-hmm. it'll take anything. Nice. You don't have to, like, meticulously aim at shit and, like, oh, I want to pick that up. It, like, you just hit the button, it'll it'll grab something good enough. Mm-hmm. And if and if there's nothing around, it, like, will rip a chunk out of the wall. Oh, oh that's fantastic. Like, like, the whole okay. whole game is, like, these, like, real marble corridors, and it's just, like, the, the destruction tech is really good. Mm. Cool. Like, my favorite part in this game was probably just, like, standing around in a room with no enemies and just fucking shooting shit like using your melee attack to just completely destroy the environment it was like wow (laughs) this is really impressive this probably shouldn't be the most fun thing in the game aww because the problem I found is that like the rhythm was just consistently you shoot enemies until you run out of ammo and then the ammo takes like 10 seconds to recharge Mm-hmm. So in that time, you you use your little gravity powers and you throw a couple chunks at the enemies, and then that has to recharge, oh. and then you're back done. So it was just like, and then I had a sniper rifle, kind of equivalent gun that also had two shots. So it was just like, shoot, shoot, okay, throw rock, throw rock, okay, shoot, shoot, like just, just this basic rhythm that just literally wasn't changing, mm. and like fairly dull humanoid enemies that are just kind of staying back and shooting at you. And you don't have regenerating health, so they try to get you to move around because the enemies will drop little health capsules. Right. Mm -hmm. And just, it just wasn't feeling good to me. Aww. Unfortunate. Yeah. So, games, besides Binding of Isaac, really just all started making the mark. And And then Binding of Isaac also started to be like, Oh, I'm really playing a lot of this game, huh? Maybe I should do something else. And then the answer was to do nothing else. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good decision I find in some in, in some instances. It's what I've been doing for the last two months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the depression podcast. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let's get back into anime. Yeah. Or for Polly. So Polly, so I watched a couple shows with Polly. She'll be the one to kind of lead on those because yeah. for me they were rewatches mm-hmm. so i like organized all my stuff and i was like okay what do i have downloaded that i haven't watched yet and i don't remember where i heard about this show like i've never seen anybody talk about it it aired in 2020 the mm-hmm. name of the show is if my favorite pop idol made it to the budokan i would die <laughs> it's an idol show Yay! Just, just heading heading back to the safe favorites. But again, mm, this is not like a popular one. This is one I've never heard anybody I've talk about. I've literally never heard of this. This is just... I binged the whole thing in like two and a half days, too. Like, it really clicked with me because it was just the safest comfort food. Just like, Excellent. hey, it's a comedy. It's mildly... It's funny enough. Like, it's not awful. Mm. It was just like, it just hit the spot in the right way. Basically, it's a show about a girl who 
there's this local idol group that she's obsessed with, but not even the group itself, just one member of that group. Mm. Ooh. So it's a very relatable character where she's just like, I want to buy all the merchandise of Mina. I want, like, the show is really dark because there's probably people like this in real life. And, like, it's kind of a satire of that. That's a big portion of pop idol culture in that everybody, like, there might be groups, but everybody just kind of picks the one girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just, like, how exploitive they get with the merchandising where it's like, and if you buy five CD singles, you can get a ticket to shake this girl's hand for five seconds. And literally, they have a guy that literally stands there with a stopwatch. Yep. And then what she'll do is buy 50 CDs to get five of those tickets so she can stand there for like a minute. Oh my Oof. God. Like, how do you shake someone's hand and make like for one minute I mean, and that not be fucking awkward? I mean, they try to make small, like it's a comedy show. They're not going to make it super awkward except as a joke. I know, so but like, like people really do this and they allow yeah, that, this. It's a thing hey. that really happens. This is something that literally came up in something that mm. I engaged with. Oh no. <laughs> So, like, that's the whole thing about the show is, like, as soon as you think about this happens in real life, like, yeah. it becomes way creepier. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, this girl will just work, like, multiple uh, part-time jobs mm-hmm. just to spend all that money on March oh for the Idol. God. And then at one point, like, they're doing the popularity contest. So the more merch you buy for each girl. Oh, effect, so gross. rank. It's so gross. And then she br- <laughs> she breaks her leg during that period, so she can't buy the merch, and her favorite girl comes in last, and oh! she's just heartbroken. Oh! oh, no! Because her favorite girl only has her, the one fan it's who's super obsessed oh, no! with her. She's the only fucking fan! Oh, and that's part, brutal. And part of it is that because she's so obsessed, like, she kind of scares the other people away from that girl. Oh my god, that's fucking awful. She's just, like, the number one super fan, but you don't don't go near Mina, because that belongs to Eri. That's her girl, not yours. <laughs> like, the way they kind of re- they kind of turn it around is that the idol also kind of has a crush on her, because of course, so it's also very <laughs> <wishful. laughs> I don't know. It's a cute, dumb comedy. <laughs> Excellent. It's just, I ain't. I didn't have other shit to talk about, so fuck it. Fuck it. I played like an hour of Hunt Down last night and was like, "Oh, hey, video games can be fun." Hey, video games work again. This one, this one feels pretty good. It got good crunch. Oh, it feels so good. It got, huh? some, it got some crunch. Yeah, I mean, John said we'll be talking. We'll about talk that about later. that one because I, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> I think I'm, everybody I'm knows my thoughts on that game. Yeah. <laughs> I figured if there's one game that's going to keep coming up, you know, when it's yeah. poly approved. Yeah. Because I really, really haven't heard of this game besides you. Yeah, like, I know. Now. I was doing everything I could to get more. But, like, people literally just kind of spite yeah. hate that game because it was on EGS for a year. It has 200 reviews on Steam right now, which I think is decent yeah. considering the year wait. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, God, let's play that game. What's Neptunia Virtual Stars up to? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 181. It's it's already past Neptunia. Wow. Well, you know what? Hunt down. Better than Neptunia. I love that intro. Yeah. I never understood the name of the game until I saw that intro. 
Yeah. Where they're like, they are hunt bounty down. hunters. <laughs> yeah. And they have one goal: hunt down. I was like, oh, okay. The best fucking title screen. <laughs> so good. Yeah, you're right though about how this game has like just enough narrative and world building mm-hmm. to like not feel kind of Weighed like a random generic it. thing. Yeah. But like it feels like a thought out world. Yeah. As opposed like you mentioned uh Blazing Chrome just kind of feeling Yeah, Blazing Chrome there's not like there's no world building there. It's just hey, yeah. here's levels. Yeah. Go go it's like Hot Job, but different. Yeah. The yeah, this is definitely a place with a, you know, just enough lore and backstory about these mega corporations. And you're just, and the way characters like talk as you're shooting them. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. The fucking, uh, I love when an enemy drops a Molotov and just burns yep. the enemy, yeah, their po- co-worker next to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, you fucked that up. There's so much good banter in that game. The sprite oh, work is so just, much. We'll get to it. so phenomenal. Okay, okay. <laughs> But really, that's what I've been up to. Oh, Not geez. a whole lot. Jeez. And decorating my, decorating my room with ten more Hebe keys. Jesus oh. Christ! I was really, I was really thinking that I was gonna like just do nothing but play Trails from Zero all weekend, and I just have not touched it. And then I did a bunch of, like, Marie Kondoing instead. Mm. That's the so, other thing. Whereas I'm like, you. I'm just like, I'm not gonna start anything big at this point because I'm just waiting for Trails to Azure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. With, and now we're fucking halfway through May, so it's like, wow, those two weeks just flew by. Yep. So, I wonder if they still make that May release date. It's yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't think they're talking publicly much about that stuff because I think every time they do, it's just a deluge yeah. of people not fucking understanding what goes into translating I a mean, video game. They definitely said it will release in May. Yeah. And I. I immediately assume that to be like May thirtieth or whatever. That's what I would say. Like it, when when I hear like a date like that, I always put it at the last day of the month. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's like two weeks from now. Yeah. So Polly, yo, heard you watch some anime? I did. I watched anime. I watched what some might call some good anime. Yes. So uh, the first one, uh, we watched both of these together. So I'll just I'll just hit them both. Um, <clears throat> uh, the first one we watched was Promised Neverland. Mm. Um, so this is like this is a show where like I literally can't talk about it without giving up a part of the twist. Yeah, um, but but which is yeah, it it happens in episode one. So so um, sorry, I guess. <laughs> But okay like, like, I remember we were getting ready to watch it. Rhett was kind of basically just trying to get me into the show, like, sight unseen as much as possible. Yeah. Like, he's getting me to get to the episodes, like, don't look at the art. Just go, just go, just go, just get into the episode. <laughs> you know, you don't want to know what's going to happen. Uh, so it's just like, don't look at the promo art. Don't look at anything because that gives it away. But, you know, so thankfully I didn't, I didn't catch anything going into this show sight unseen. But, but, but for a podcast... I'm sorry, I have to talk about the damn premise or it's going to be a real dumb yeah. segment. It's like, oh, I like the anime. I like this cartoon. It's good. <laughs> you know, so I can't do that. So uh, the, 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 the show centers on this orphanage, which, and it starts out like, just like, like if you don't know what's about to happen, it's like, I was just like, okay, this is going to be kind of like Deno Coil or something, right? Where like, there's a general... Hmm kind of lightheartedness to it um maybe it'll get a little dark at some point oh whoops it's gonna get dark real fast um 
So you get into the episode and you notice like all of these kids, they got numbers printed on their necks. What's that all about? That's weird. Um, and something oh, it just seems real weird and amiss. Like this, there's this kid. She's being she's being shipped off because she's she's, she's leaving the orphanage because they've found her a, a, a set of foster pairs. That's great, fantastic. You love to see it. Um, and when <laughs> uh, so so she accidentally leaves uh, her, her 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 stuffed animal behind her dolly. Um, so two of the other kids at the orphanage are like, oh shit, we gotta go take that and give it to her before she leaves without it. Uh, yeah. so, oh man. So they grab it, they, they, you know, they run off after, um, after mama and, and, and the kid, like, because they, they're just walking, you know, out, they, they just gotta walk through a big field to get to a gate, uh, to leave the orphanage. They get out there and then, uh, you know, kids nowhere to be seen. Mama's nowhere to be seen. There's a truck. That's weird. Look in the truck. There's a de 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 dead body in the truck of a child. Uh oh. This is this is a farm where children are raised to be eaten by demons. Oh no! And it really goes real hard at the end of that first episode. Like, I oh did, fuck! I like I they they literally do like this big close up of a dead child who is like who can't be more than what like six, twelve years old. She's not even. I think she's like six. Yeah, and she's just like you know, dead, blue, bloody. Yeah, she's gonna be shipped off to be eaten. It's uh, oh boy. Um, so that's your premise, and then and then it becomes of like, well, now these two kids know the secret of what's going on here, and it's like, well, what the fuck do you do? Yeah, uh, because they're just like ten and eleven years old. Like there's the not a lot of kids in the group though. Pardon? They're like the oldest and yes, smartest. Yes, they're the oldest the group, and the though. smartest. They're the oldest and the smartest in the group, but also the most desirable in terms of what you want to eat. Cuz mm -hmm. smart cause smart kid brains taste way better than dumb kid brains. Mm -hmm. Um so then it's just like what the fuck do you do? Well, you've got to find a way to escape. You are the smart kids, so you've got to find a way to escape this fucking farm orphanage. And that's sort of the, the, the whole premise of the series is you have these real smart kids playing a lot of real interesting mind games with not only one another to kind of suss out who can we let in on this and how do we trick the adults? Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's like Death Note, but with little kids versus adults. Um, oh, fuck, and, that's good. And the pacing is just absolutely fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, like, every episode ends with the most ridiculous cliffhanger. Like, it's like, if, if this was a show that I was not watching at, like, 12.45 a.m. every evening yeah. with Rhett, two episodes a night, it would be like, I would literally shotgun this whole thing in one setting. Yeah, uh, that's, that's when I watched it last year, or 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. It started at one night. It was just like, oh well, not stopping. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. That that is, who and and so 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 that's like the whole point of this show is the, these brilliant mind games that are being played and and the stakes mm -hmm. being increasingly dangerous and just kind of like, well, are they going to get found out? Who knows what? Who's a step ahead of who? 
um, and and it's just great. Um, there's a lot of real, like, despite the fact that, like, I, I think the characterizations are pretty one dimensional, mm-hmm. um, because there's just like, like every kid is kind of an archetype. Like like the main girl, she's kind of your tomboy, athletic type kid. Then uh, you've got the really smart boy. Uh, and you've got your dark brooding kid and they're yeah, kind they're... of like the main three um and they're the yeah. ones kind of like behind this whole like how do we get like how are we gonna get out of this how are you know like they're the ones kind of putting the whole plan into motion um uh to get out and then you've got mama who is one of the most amazing characters uh i think uh i've come across in an anime in a while she's just so incredibly monstrous yeah like she because she knows what she's doing yeah like she knows (laughs) she knows what she's doing and she's just relentless but also extremely calm and calculated about everything (laughs) uh there's another supporting character named crone who uh, is probably my favorite character of the show just because she's so like, you've got to love characters that, like, like, this is a show where, like, a lot of, like, the character animation is subdued and very subtle, very understated. And then Crone is just literally the light of every scene she is in because she is so deliciously deranged. She's just <laughs> out there. Like, it, it, it is wild watching her take over a scene and the voice actress is just knocking it out of the park. Um, the, the animators had the time of their lives with this character. <laughs> like she is just bounding around every frame she is in. And, mm. and, and her role in the story is, is also just a really, really good one because she becomes a very pivotal part of how these mind games might, how, how the tables might get turned on these mind games. It's just like, can you trust this person? Don't know. Uh, but, but but like along with like but along with mama being like the most just whew, shivers down your spine with how calm and calculated she is about the evil she is committing like it's just how just how unfazed by everything she is and like the, the horrible things she does <laughs> she inflicts some pretty bad bodily harm on someone at one point <laughs> and five seconds later is literally cradling them in her breast stroking their hair and saying it's fine it doesn't hurt you'll be okay and it's oh, man. oh that's juicy it's such delicious drama like this, this show just like I wish I had seen this like like way sooner. Oh uh, man, such 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 a good show. Um, like if you need some top shelf uh, thriller drama in your life, yeah. Promised Neverland season one. Watch that and only watch that. Yeah, <laughs> season two and on is just buy it. <laughs> Um, I didn't read. I, I I didn't watch second season. I didn't read any of the manga. But I had known, I had known going in from just the reaction that it's just like, okay, the first season has an al- almost a nine on my anime list. The second season yeah. has like kind of a middling five. Oh, that's so low for me. Yeah, yeah. This my anime low. list does not go this low very often. 
This is the one that dropped like a full over three points between seasons. They like they apparently skip over a hundred chapters <laughs> of the manga. Uh, and, and like, that, not only that, it's just like, after that first season, it doesn't sound like the writer knew what to do at all. Yeah. Uh, with regards to the kind of story they were telling, because then it just kind of turns into bad shonen, because it did run in a shonen ma- uh, magazine. Um, yeah. and it kind of just turns into that. Like, I guess it sounds like it just loses all of this mind game stuff and just goes into yeah. like it just being physical fights and shit. Like guns are yeah. mentioned at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause so when I watched this first season in 2019, like the manga hadn't finished, there was no second season. So people were just like, yeah, I don't know about the manga. Everybody seems to like this arc by far the most. Yeah. But like, seeing just a little bit of where it went and like seeing people just give fucking scathing reviews to the manga <laughs> by like giving it a one after reading all 200 chapters and shit like oh yeah, you've really gotta hate something to give it a one after sitting through 200 plus chapters like they were just so upset with how the final arc resolved it's like i read spoilers and i said how you it almost like it's bad enough that it sounds like sabotage. That's how fucking disastrous everything mm. after that first arc sounds. God. But season one on its own. Oh, still season a great one thing. on its own. You get a very satisfying conclusion. You know, like like you can just you can write the rest of the story in your brain. But you, you get, can write a better story in your brain. You can write a better story in your brain. But they accomplish the goal they set out to do with what they're doing storyline-wise with that first season. And it feels really good. And you come away from that feeling like, I just watched a super smart anime and it felt real good. Like, that, like after that, it was just like, a good couple of days, I'm just like, man, that's the good shit. <laughs> you don't get so the... wild. Yeah, yeah. Like, so if you're gonna watch this show, just watch the first season and enjoy. Because, like, if you loved that like over the top death note drama but you want it to be a little more subdued and more mm-hmm. kind of sinister i think that that's what this will give you and it's 12 episodes so it's a real easy investment yeah mm-hmm. like you can if you have like a weekend day that you have nothing else going on you can just watch the entire thing yeah, like you i did tear through this in a few hours you're fine uh but yeah like you don't need that season awesome. 2 you don't need season 2 or anything uh, beyond it to enjoy season one for what it is and on its own merits uh, you get a really complete story uh, I feel that like they cover all the stuff that they need to background wise for all the characters that are important so you you you, you come away from this show feeling like it's it, it's a full package despite the fact that there's much more left to what this story is afterward that is so fucking funny <laughs> that is just like <laughs> Yeah, well, there's there's a whole bunch of the rest of this. That's and the thing. It's like just, when just I watched it, bad. it's that's I was worried trying to get Polly to watch this because it's like the asterisk, like apologetica for like oh by the way the story is there's going to be more and it's, it's all bad you don't want to ignore it like it's gotten worse since I watched it in 2019. Yeah, because now there's just apparently Crunchyroll doesn't even have season two, so it's pretty easy to ignore. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was actually surprised. Like, they don't even have... Like, it's that bad. 
I don't think they would have known going in. They just probably lost the licensing bit, and now they're just like, no, shame. Weird, huh? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, big. They're like, oh, kind of dodged a bullet there, probably. Yeah. Yeah, let those rights lapse. It's fine. Bizarre. <laughs> Watched another anime. I was, yeah. oh, I was just thinking the only thing that's really comparable I can think of is maybe Usagi Drop. Oh, yeah, I told... I hinted at Polly about that one. Yeah, yeah. Of where everybody likes the anime. Don't look up the manga. Don't look up the manga. Yeah. Don't look up the manga, please. What are you going to say, Polly? Okay. Uh, I got another anime. Mm -hmm. Oh, Nert's going to watch season two. Nert, what are you doing to yourself? Don't do this. There are better things you can do with like five hours of your time. <sighs> gotta admit I am curious I'm not curious enough to watch it especially since I looked up all the spoilers and I know uh, what happens yeah. and I, was just oh, like, I read it all and I said my god that sounds real fucking awful I wonder if it could be funny in a schlocky way like it that's not the vibe I get from people reviewing no. it at all uh... so I watched another anime okay mm-hmm. I am I'm almost embarrassed in a way to say that I now have something on my anime list that, that includes three words that I never ever <laughs> wanted. To the three words she wants to hear. Three, the three <laughs> worst words that could appear on anybody's my anime list at <laughs> all. Oh, all running right back to back. I, I watched Sword Art Online, Gun Gale Online. The, the, the most important subtitle. The most yeah, important edition. subtitle in anime history. Seriously. We need to be able... What we need to be able to do is we need to be able to take whiteout. Digital <laughs> whiteout. And anytime the words Sword Art Online appear in this show, we need to be able to just strike it from the record because I don't understand... How this show is what it is <laughs> when it flies in the face of sort of what of everything that Sword Art Online is so much it literally like it feels like a rebuttal. Yeah, it's okay. So 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 for those who don't know what Gun Gale Online is, it's a Sword Art Online spinoff where the 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 idea is that there's this online game that you can play by entering the virtual world, and it's just centered around shooting people. And nobody from Sword Art Online is involved in this series at all, so you don't have to worry about all of those shitty characters and awfulness happening. Uh, GGO they are is not a, present. They are not present. GGO is so far off in its own thing that it just... I. The, the GGO name just feels slapped on because it needed, like, they needed the name recognition just to make sure it didn't fail or something. And for another thing, GGO is exactly one, like, 13-episode arc in Vanilla Sao, and then literally all 90 other episodes of it are in, like, fantasy MMOs. Like, this is the, there's one arc in the original show that takes place in GGO, so it, it doesn't even feel this like is so Sao. Like, like, GGO, like, this is a show that is so surface level. This is a show you don't have to think about to watch (laughs) at all. 
Girl it's goes in. Girl goes porn. into virtual world. Likes shooting things, and I mean, she really likes it. Well, she gets a at the taste start, for it. At the start, she actually doesn't like the shooting part. She just wanted a she cute just avatar. Wa- I love this. Like so. So her her whole deal is her. The baggage that this poor girl is carrying, her tragic backstory, <laughs> is that I'm tall. And they, like, they apparently just, she's like six feet tall. She's like six feet tall, and that's like her—that's her excess baggage. That's her dark origin story. Is a little different from Sheenons. <laughs> she just started play. She just started playing the virtual game because she wanted to make a cute short avatar, and that's literally it. That's her whole purpose. And she is a very cute short avatar. It's a it's the cutest short avatar for the cutest tall six foot woman. She's a, she's an awesome character. She's an adult. He's also an adult, which is she's nice. an, she That's is a from, college like, every other student. She is a college student. Yep. And and it's just like that again, everything about this feels so divorced from SAO in a way that is just mm. wild to me. Um so she gets into the virtual world and gets really into shooting things, like really into shooting things. Like yeah. she's like she gets she's not only super uh, like like happy to be shooting things, she gets super good at it. Uh, so it's really fun. Like like she becomes almost you know like main character plot armor good, but it's being done in this fun cheeky sort of way where it's like with 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 Kirito you're supposed to kind of be projecting onto him because your it's your story I guess. You need to be the badass with the harem, right? Uh with this it's just never no, loses anything. It, with this it's just cute girl likes to shoot things a lot. <laughs> she has her little P90. This is like like if gunslinger girl was dumber. <laughs> Much, 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 much dumber. Much dumber. Um, <laughs> and the whole series kind of takes place over these two two arcs, these two six-episode arcs where they're just big battles, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. It's literally a Battle Royale video game. Yeah, it's a it's Battle like, yeah, Royale PUBG. video game. It's just PUBG, yeah. And it's just big, dumb, and loud. There's... There is an amount of fun that this show is having where if you're watching it and you don't have a smile plastered across your face at just the dialogue, the gags, the over-the-top violence that they're allowed to get away with because it's just a video game. Like, it's so good. Like, because nobody's getting, like, viciously mauled or anything. But, like, they're, since it's a video game setting, they're still allowed to just, like, kick somebody's fucking head off. And you get like this cool like digital blood effect that just goes away, and then the body falls to the ground, and this little dead indicator pops up. <laughs> so cute, and I it just it it tickled me every time, and and when the show really 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 gets going, which I think that like that first half is really good. Also, you should we got to mention the order with which you should watch these episodes. <laughs> Do not watch episode one first. Please don't. You want to watch episode two, three, one, then four, and then continue. It's um, so weird. Because you like it tries to do this thing where it's in media res, 
where the mm-hmm. first episode is taking place. It's it's taking place chronologically. It would be the third episode. Uh, so you start in the middle of this gigantic battle, and you don't know who anybody is. You don't know why they're there. Nothing really makes sense without the introductions, and yeah. it just feels like these were these were just play, these were just aired in the wrong order accidentally. It mm-hmm. just, like I know that they did it on purpose, but it feels like an accident because it just feels like this was the third episode you wrote. Nothing nothing about this feels like this is the first thing you wrote. Um, I wonder I should, if that's check if that, that if it's like yeah, how in it's novel. in the novels. I've got it on my shelf. I should check. Oh, that that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so you, you you got a lot of cute characters. You have some amazing amazing gunfights, uh, especially towards the back end of the show when yeah. that second fucking arc it starts <laughs> at one it point goes crazy and it. S like the last six episodes just escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate to the point where by the time you're at the last episode and the final battles and like you get to the final battle between the last two characters it's so fucking ridiculous like the the (laughs) the way these fights end is so goddamn hype um that you you, it just can't be overstated, like how much fun this show is having at almost every conceivable moment, and the way that it just flies so much in the face of what Sword Art Online is. Mm-hmm. Like this, Sword Art Online does not have action this good. No, like, I watched the entire rest of the show, and Sword Art Online doesn't is never this like joyful and exploratory uh, with the action. Like, especially in the Gun Kill Online arc. That's so just bonkers to me. This, like, like, like a different studio did this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this mm-hmm. was Studio 3 Hertz. Um, and I think A1 does um, the, the regular Sword Art Online anime. And it's just like, thank God somebody that, like, has some fucking joy are the ones that got to do, like, the absolute over-the-top crazy nonsense that... Yeah. this show gets to be because mm-hmm. it's just non-stop fun start to finish like and it's like it's got a lot of legitimately humorous thing like the humor the comedy in it is really good um yeah, the payoff is so good yeah like the end payoff is ridiculous <laughs> like it's just like i i was sitting there could not believe how well they had pulled this off like i felt I felt like I had been bamboozled somehow, and I don't even know how. But it's just like, I'm watching, like, this is not the show that if you told me a year ago, I would be enjoying. As much as I have, as much as I did, that, that like, I, I, I would have told you there's no fucking way. It's, it's got that, it's got too much baggage. But it's just like, everything that's gross and awful about Sword Art Online is completely absent here. It feels... Or they, like, immediately lampshade it, where, like, there's one dude who's, like, Oh, if I kill you, I can grope your body for ten minutes, and he immediately gets bludgeoned to death. Yeah, like she immediately takes that power away from the dude by getting a <laughs> rifle and beating him to fucking death with it. It's so good. Like all of this shit that would have just completely, that, that would just completely fly and sort out online yeah. is not allowed to fly here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's that scene at the end where M is talking about basically being a stalker and then immediately getting admonished for it through the whole conversation. It's so good. Uh, It's just like, like, I don't know how, like, you give somebody uh, 
a part of your property and say, write it. And then they write something that is so antithetical to what yeah. you do. Like, how do you because... not feel insulted to some degree? <laughs> because this is such the... an yeah. about face. Because the whole, like, main moral message is, by the end is just like, it's just a game. It's not a death game. It's okay. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. Is, this is just a place to have fun. It's a release. It's an escape. And it's just like, then we're sort out online. It's just this whole fucking other stupid thing that's so ridiculously serious and dark. Yeah. Or, and, or, and, jo and no jokes. No joy like, at like, all. Like, oh, like no. they're light novel adaptations of light novels that don't have jokes. And then the show itself is like, it's that particularly plotting kind of light novel adaptation where you can just tell they're just taking the scene, this 10 minute scene where they're talking in a cafe in a book and just oh, adapting right. it word for word. Oh. And it's just that so painful and over the top. So that even before you get to the, the gross shit, like <laughs> it's, it's just really painful and joyless. Yeah. Like there's one two minute fight scene with Sheena on like, the very start of that of that arc that's dope and then nothing else in the rest of the show even comes close to matching it. <laughs> that just... It's so weird. Man, like I'm so glad that A1 are not the ones that got to do this. Um mm. because like this this show, this license, this property needed people that were going to have all the fun, fun with in it. the world with it. Uh and yeah. Like that, I, I was, I, I was, and I still am, just completely shocked at how much, like, I legitimately love <laughs> this damn show. Like, <laughs> this is a show that I would put alongside other, like, throw it on for a good time shows, like Canaan and Black Lagoon. Um, yeah, and this show like has even less going on than both of those shows. So there's even more of just a straight focus on. Sit back and let the awesome happen. The fucking grenade thing I want. I, I can just oh picture so God. many, so many, so many action moments. There are so many just brilliant moments that you can point to. Like that, it's just like that's so fucking cool. The one bit of intertext you miss out on not watching the vanilla, the main show. So Kiri toes him immortal and invincible and wins everything. Right? Yep. Yeah. And he uses a sword the whole time. I, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Guess what his guess what his weapon is? Is that he immediately gets the laser sword the second he goes into into so... GGO, uh... and then immediately learns how to deflect bullets with it. Oh my god! So, if you want to have a character that is as scary as possible in the world of Sword Art Online, if they're a villain, perhaps using <laughs> having them be the one person with the Kirito weapon is a cool plot, cool that's, play. Uh... Yeah, like the characters in this there you show. Go. That's the one. There you go. That's the one bit of intertext that's worth it. The, the the characters in this show are a load of fun too. You like like they're so fun. With especially in that last, especially in that second yeah. arc where where your friend Miu is just hilarious. Oh my god, she's so good. I think that like she actually kind of is what makes the show in a way. Uh, her presence is like like I think the show would be a lot less without her presence. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, despite the fact that like the other characters are so fucking strong, yeah, 
Yeah, but, but like, like Itohi and uh, Len, they bring the action. Yeah, but Miu brings the comedy, and I think that is a very important. Yeah, like it needs that. Like, it's important to have jokes. You gotta have that levity, uh, especially like this show's going to be like like even Black Lagoon has levity, and and, mm-hmm. e- and even like that's a show that does tackle some pretty like heavier things. Yeah, it still has levity uh, between like Rock and Revy and stuff. So, like. This is a much more lighthearted version of that, but it is also just going balls out with like so much catharsis mm-hmm. with with the action. Like everything just like you feel every action. You will laugh your fucking face off every time something cool happens. Because it's always happening. Shit's always popping off in this show. The first episode, like chronologically or Airwise, mm-hmm. they take it so seriously. They make everyone into like a threat, and by the end, like the the male characters are just <laughs> being slaughtered. They're just thrown to the meat grinder. It's so he good. just runs up and just guns like twenty people down, or punching and kicking them, yes. sitting around with a machine gun, it's <laughs> throwing grenades. She's so good. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's good. There's no shortage of just joy seeping out of every portion of this yeah. damn show. I'm so glad you had a good time with this because this really, this really is just that show. It's just popcorn show in the best way. Yeah. I like felt self conscious putting it on my Gotti list because it was like my anime of the decade list because mm-hmm. I was like, this is very, si- this is very simple. This is very dumb. <laughs> and then, but I was just like looking at other options. I'm like, I love this thing. <laughs> Yeah. I love this dumb, joyful, amazing thing. Yeah. Like, this is the one thing that everybody's kind of pointed to me and said, like, this will be your jam. Like, you don't mm-hmm. like Sword Art Online, I get that, but this will be your jam. And absolutely, we're not wrong. Like, this is almost flawless for me. There's, like, one or two bits of it where I just kind of, like, roll my eyes out of the back of my head. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The premise getting into the second half getting into the second, It's kind of dumb. I was like, okay, come on. Get this Edward shit out of here. I'm just telling you, Polly, you have to trust me. This isn't Sword Art Online. This isn't going to end with the character killing themselves. Yeah. like as, That would be too dark for this. Yeah, this like, is a you comedy. Can't, you can't take a show that had been doing what it was doing up to that point and then just dump truck it into that. It would just yeah. feel real bad. Um, but yeah, thankfully, like, this show sticks the landing and then, like, does three or four more flips with that fucking ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What a brilliantly fun and stupid show. I love it. So good. Excellent. <laughs> I, I really thought that I'd, I, I I vividly had it in my brain that I watched this show before at first and that it was, like, my Fate Zero, like, fucking... Um, gateway oh. drug bullshit but no i actually watched the first season first and then i watched this and i was like wow this is better yeah whoa and so wait you watched this before the ggo arc and sword art online too i did watch this before the ggo arc huh man i had to but, imagine but that been like a, a real bummer getting to that yeah because it's way slower and boring and bad it was like okay it okay but yeah yeah it was like a year later so it wasn't as fresh in my brain otherwise i would have been yeah. like it, you have to understand the end of the first season is so astoundingly bad <laughs> that that seemed like good entertainment in comparison. Right. So that's why I lost. And also I had COVID and was losing my mind. Yeah, oh you were losing your fucking mind. So <laughs> I was insane. And that's how it came across was, hey, this is good. It wasn't good. I but remember. GGO is good. 
I watched GGO and was like, man, I could go for some more of that. And then you recommended the GGO Arc and Sword Online. And I watched that. It was like, Ugh. and I watched GGO again just to kind of watch that taste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've seen the show three times now. That's that's a recommendation. Yeah, yeah. like this is something that... Point, I was just like, the whole time in the second half, I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get to this part. Oh, I can't wait to get to this part. Oh, the car chase at the end is so fucking good. Yeah, like like every episode, like, that, like we, would, we would talk between episodes, of course, and every episode I could, hear the, I could hear the excitement escalating in his voice every time we were heading into a new episode. It was like, Jesus Christ. So, like, expectations were off the charts. Uh, and Fuck, it fucking yeah. delivered. Um yeah, like, the, like I already know of, like, one or two people I want to show this show to, and they don't know <laughs> of or care about SAO either. But they're, like, they're the same people that I was just like, watch Black Lagoon, watch Kanan, you'll like these. Because they're not super big into anime, but, like, it's just like, okay, this is big and dumb enough for you to enjoy. Excellent. I'm so glad you got, I, I, we, we found another show like that. <laughs> In yeah. that vein, I know that's your shit. Yeah, like that's entirely my shit. Like, like I love me some dark, brooding sci-fi mystery shit, horror, all that. Fucking man. never let me. Fucking never let me go. Ishikuro, <laughs> bullshit. But at the same time, man, just give me something that's big, dumb, over the top, loud, and just unapologetic about what it is. And I'm so glad that that's what this show ended up being. Horny is so next level too. Yeah. It's so so good. Ugh. It's such good horny. Oh yeah, there's a lot. One. The 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 horny, especially in this show's climax, is uh, it's real good. <laughs> it's the most it is like the most intense foreplay you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking. It's like the the fucking Greek philosophers talking talk <laughs> level horny, like in the. In light, truly enlightened, sitting on <laughs> Buddha, sitting under the tree, horny. This is sort of online, like furiously jerking, like dumb teen boy. Oh God! Just fully enlightened, fully next level, horny. Sitting here, I'm sitting here with a smile plastered on my face, way bigger than than I would have ever imagined. Sitting here talking about a property, even anywhere. God remotely yeah. adjacent to fucking Sword Art Online. <laughs> 2021 has been a fucking year, people. God, that opening, when that opening comes and it just says Sword Art Online, you're just like, fuck, here we go. <laughs> it just vomits it out at you right there at the start. You're just like, oh, come on, man. Just edit that out. You don't need it. Like, this thing stands on its own. It doesn't need that. Like this, show, like any time that this show, like it doesn't delve into Sword Art Online much at all. But any time that it has to bring it up as sort of like you know a reference point is kind of like the worst part of the show, basically. Because <laughs> it makes you think about Sword Art. It Online. It makes you think about Sword Art Online. Uh, so, but it doesn't go too deep into it. It's not like yeah. sitting there giving you lore rundowns. Like Kirito isn't even mentioned by name. So, I think Sheenon is. Yeah, she is. Yeah, just good because I love her. Um, so, so, so just like, yeah. And this is, this was by the Kino's Journey, uh, writer, I believe. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So I like it more than Kino's Journey. (laughs) It's a weird pull for how kind of crazy and silly this one is. Yeah. 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 On the other hand, fucking loves guns in Kino's Journey. Yeah. Yeah. Kino's Journey does have some gun stuff in it. It's very, very, still very much into that. Like Kino's got some guns. She knows how to use guns. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Or wait, didn't wait, wait, didn't what didn't they didn't he say that Kino was like non-binary at some point? I could swear. I, mean, I could swear. I watched the show. That's my takeaway. Okay, that's what I because th I thought that the writer okay. had explicitly said something about that in recent years that yeah. like Kino doesn't really identify as either. Oh, I like either. that. Like uh, that's kind of like the vibe I'd always gotten from it from 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 Kino myself, but I wasn't sure if that was me just putting that on a character because I don't want to be one of those people that does that, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. or or if the or if the author had kind of said something similar, but yeah, actually, an author that has actually nice rap, yeah, <laughs> like that. What is more alien yeah, to right? the Sal property than that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they, I don't think there is even the slightest, like, not, like, almost everything will have, like, a, every big property now will have, like, some kind of Yuri T's moment. Sure. Just because that's a, that's a trope at this point. Yeah. There is none of that in Sword Art Online proper. It is, it is the most straight. It's the most hetero, like, oftentimes in the grossest ways. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, in the in in like in the least enlightened ways. Yeah, yeah. God, but hey, that's that's what we got GGO for. Watch this show. I'm like, watch I, this show and don't watch any other. Don't watch anything online. else. In, like, I promise you. So there you go. Two anime bangers for your buck. If you got if you got seven ninety nine, go to Crunchyroll right now. You can watch both of these shows. You can go watch Promised Neverland and you can watch GGO. I guarantee you, you will have a fucking blast. And then you can watch Simpho Gear. I mean, you can. It's GGO. It's Simple Gear of Sword Art Online. <laughs> I mean, they're singing at one point. God, the there, is, there is an idol. There is there's an idol. An idol. There's, <laughs> a, there's a fight scene with a pop song on it. And yep. it's perfect because it gives you the exact right tone for how dumb everything is about to happen. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, like, if you like big and dumb and you like real great action... And just really indulgent action. Yeah, like it. Like, like you, I can't overemphasize how indulgent this action is. There's so much fun being had here, and like the violence isn't gory, but it's satisfying and over the yeah. top and stupid in a really fun way. Um, There's one. We, we were texting each other a little bit during the show, like because we had the, the Discord open. There's one part where Len to kill a dude dumps like three clips into him for some reason <laughs> i'm just like we needed to shoot him once yeah like blah 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 okay you're done she's like burr, 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 for like 10 seconds <laughs> for like 10 he... seconds and of course and the she's best not moment. even mad at the at the guy or anything she's just unloading on it for no fucking reason she just is in it she's just having fun like again like, if you need more of an emphasis on how, like, this is being viewed as... It's a game. It's an escape. We're having yeah. fun. Like, that's that's one of those moments where she's not, like, going crazy. She's not laughing or anything. It's just, I'm doing it to do it. It's a video game. Who cares? Tell your comrades I killed Pink. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so cold-blooded. Pop. Pop! So good. You'll You'll know what that means. So good. So good. So that's 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 that's, uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good anime roundup, I think. Yeah. Cool. Apparently, they made a real pink P90 to promote the anime. Uh, oh man, it's kind of cool, but also guns. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like making an actual pink P90 is maybe. Is it... <laughs> it's insane.
that's maybe a little too weird for me, given, you know, yeah. gun violence and all. <laughs> well, it might be feel it might feel different in Japan where where that kind of thing. Yeah, like it's I obviously I, mean, under, I understand that. I still wonder if it's actually real. Like I would buy a replica. Like I if it's a replica, I'd buy it. I think it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Like Okay, this is what Wikipedia says. The pink P90 was raffled to the public through a raffle in collaboration with Pizza Hut Japan. Okay, that's not real. I'm sure that's a real gun. <laughs> it's funny they say it was real. That's, man. I've just, always sure. liked, I've just always liked the P90 and then like, oh cool, yeah. uh, like two of my favorite anime use it as a mainstay. I know. That's great. <laughs> like, that's just a, like that, like I saw that gun years ago it was like that's the coolest design ever and then i watched gunslinger girl and like the main character uses one pulls it out of a fucking violin case <laughs> it's so good come on did you have a gun phase polly that feels uh, that feels on brand yeah i had a gun phase cool i never actually bought any though mm. i would have bought a p90 if i could have got my hands on one though. Oh, God. But, but that doesn't seem like something that you could get at the consumer level, I don't think. I mean, if there was any place where you could, it would be America. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we we are probably the place where you could just walk into Walmart and get a P90. God, I In a violin case. In a violin case, yes. I found this Reddit post. It makes me very sad. Can you skip Gun Gale? Watched the first two eps of Gun Gale, Alternative Gun Gale Online and hated it, but I want to watch Alexization. Oh my god. Okay, Nerd, Nerd has well, a dumb 3D printed Nerf shotgun. I think I think it's okay if I had a gun phase then. <laughs> it's great! Nerd, 3D print me a P90 and make it pink. Pink. I won an award at my Boy Scout summer camp for being for best marksmanship at oh. the rifle range. Oh, that's 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 not a side of your personality I would, I would imagine. He's <laughs> yeah, more into arching now, archery. Archery, now. arching. I basically, I, I basically wanted to shoot guns again, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, what's what's what feels better than shooting guns again? I was like, let's do go to the, take an archery class, and I did that instead. I would have taken the next. I think level. that I would enjoy that more, okay. honestly. It was, it was it was very pleasing. They're they're both they're satisfying in similar ways. I think. Listen, the P ninety makes a very satisfying sound, though. I would probably want to shoot one at least one. I had a rifle class. I did a rifle merit badge one year. I did the shotgun. Merit oh, badge good, good, good. So I know how those feel too. Nice. It's very. I've shot nice. rifles. I've shot rifles and shotguns. Like those things got some mm. kick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it elevated to a full level gun phase, but I had I had fun. It was. You seize whatever fun you can get at fucking yeah, like when um, you're like Boy Scouts. Yeah, like when you're like twelve, and you get to play with instruments of death. Who's not having a good time, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, what are we doing? What if there's any doing? place, if there's any place that you would do that, it would be at a fucking Boy Scout. It, Scouts it would be in America. Yeah. yeah. If there's another any place you were specifically going to do that, it would be around a bunch of fucking weird teen very weird christian teenagers oh boy that's a it's a dynamic and a half that's uh that is a dynamic i'm glad i never had to deal with 
Yeah, you're lucky. Boy Scouts sucks. I got to stay as far away from that mm. bullshit as I could. It was nice. God. Hi, Frez. Hi, want to try? Can we talk? A- any? Yeah. Work first. First try. Something's always, always a. <laughs> Always a, 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 it can always be a shit show with Discord sometimes. So oh I'm yeah, like it's a shit show with anything, Skype. with anything involving the internet and needing to communicate. Mm-hmm. Hi, Frez. So Hi. I invited you on the show today um, for no, for just no real reason. I just figured you maybe watch some stuff that you wanted to talk about. If you want to talk about it, do you have anything that you've any any? Are, how are you doing, Fres? Fres watched Simple Gear. Fres watched Simple Gear. Let, we can that's, talk about that. I'm I'm fine <laughs> with talking about Simple Gear. That's right. That's right. I spent a year and a half uh, watching, discussing, DMing Red, rewatching, uh, rewatching, taking notes, writing. Pondering, procrastinating about Symphogear. Right. So I'm not going to talk about Symphogear because I literally wrote a book about it. So what I'm hearing is that it took you a year and a half to watch Symphogear. That doesn't sound like it was really compelling you all that much. I feel like if there was a show that you'd like chewed through really fast, it would probably be mean you liked it more. No, no. In my, in my defense, the year and a half is because, you know, life gets in the way and you got to really think of these things. But and the I show's remember not. If there's as something <laughs> hypothetical that now, now John don't lead, now John don't lead the witness too much here. <laughs> this is John at full spite mode. <laughs> That's all this whole segment is for. This whole segment is spite mode, John Fire. I'm so pissed off. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. If if you come from this segment of mine watching one show, one Japanese cartoon. Watch Symphogear. But if you come from watching two shows, watch the program I'm going to talk about. Oh. Which I, which is something I promised John during the whole uh, Symphogear debacle. I said, as soon as I finish Symphogear, as soon as the it's done and dusted, and I've got the end written on the page, I will view this program. And which you last, fulfilled beautifully. And, <laughs> and last weekend, I finished the Symphogear thing, and I started watching this program that I talked to you about. I watched a anime called Fate's Day Night Unlimited Blamer. Oh! Which Tell I, us about this. Well, I didn't know anything about Fate. Well, I knew some things about Fate. Mostly I knew is that Fate had a bunch of cute girls in it. Which, this show definitely has a bunch of cute girls in it. <laughs> it's also... Quite interesting to watch this fate program because I mean I, I didn't know much about the rules of fate or whatnot, but I just sort of dove in blind, and what I found was interesting and compelling. Did it feel like it explained the rules well? Mostly, yeah. I mean, I, I like the way the, the way the show works. It's pretty clever about this. It explains the rules, but then. There are certain things it doesn't tell you about the rules going in that are specifically used as a reveals, <laughs> shall we say, that definitely add, as you so lovingly put it, steaks! Yeah, John's been eating a lot of meat on this episode. I mean, 
yeah. he loves his well-grilled steaks. And there are certainly some tasty steaks to be had during this fate mm-hmm. thing. There's one in particular. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. I don't know. I don't really like spoiling stuff unless I'm like analyzing every frame of it like I did with the Symphigear shit. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment, I think it's midway through season two of Unlimited Blade Works, where they explain something about the specific rules of their world that up until that point they hadn't mentioned. Just a little, oh, by the way, this can also work like this. Now, John told me after the fact he knew about this particular revelation. That That's this, my uh, fucking go ad mid yeah. mid read. Yeah, he knew about this revelation this, that recontextualized everything you think you know about someone or other. He knew about that going in. I did not. So while John got all these clues and foreshadowing and was like, oh, yeah, I know this because it was spoiled. Uh, when I got to the moment where they first implied this, I suddenly went, oh, shit. And it was like a shotgun blast of realization about every goddamn clue this show had been building up about. Oh, this. God, everything makes sense. And it was like, ah! wait, a minute. wait if, if this is true, then that moment, then that moment would be like that. And then this moment would be like that. And then this relationship would be like that. And this relationship would be like that. Holy fuck. Like, I literally watched the episode and yelled, oh my god, to John. I think went out for a walk to get the mail. <laughs> and as I'm walking down my driveway, I think, wait, holy shit. They have the same thing here. So what? Such a good turn. It's very it good. So and you know, well. I thought you were going to say the turn that happens right after the the date. Right oh, before that, I... Yeah. Okay, that's just the particular turn. This is the end of season one we're talking about, where it opens mm. with a... Uh, it's a fluffy date between the protagonist, Shiro, and uh, basically the girls that he is... Oh, yeah, he brings... Saber comes too, doesn't he? Doesn't she? Yes. Saber <laughs> and Rin come on the date. Yes. Good. It's kind of like, well, this is a visual novel. It's kind of like he's, you know, a harem protagonist. His his goddamn common area is just, there's women there all the time. There's like two or three or four girls in this place every time. And they're all different. So you've got Sakura, who's perfect and wonderful. And <laughs> of course. Life. Of course. And then there's Rin, who's like, she's, she's very good. Mm-hmm. She's sort of the Sundari, upper classman. Yeah, she's like, if you, I don't know who you would kill if you did fuck, marry, kill for for fate, but I feel like Rin would be the fuck. Kill Sakura. Oh, it's I. I, I, I kill Saber. I would not kill Sakura. That'll that'll come up in a bit, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah. So the thirteenth episode of Unlimited Blade Works, which is this show has been slowly building up and whatnot. It's it's just this fluffy little date. You know, it's it's cute, it's wonderful, and then bad shit happens, and the entire goddamn structure is tragically torn apart, and you're like, oh, that's why they did that. It was like, hey, here's this happy little thing, and it just rips it into pieces, and it's like, and again, it does so by taking rules that it's built and gone, and goes like, hey, didn't know you could do this. The, the like, basic the basic thing is like they set up the rules up front, and then they just have this one thing which is that every servant has a noble phantasm 
noble phantasms can all break the rules in this one in their own unique way. So every so every time one of them gets introduced, it's just like often it's just like the worst possible thing can happen because of the noble phantasm and it rules. Like you watch the show, you're thinking, oh no! What, I asked John, what is a noble phantasm? Is it like a super attack? Is it like their weapon? And it's sort of both in mm-hmm. a sense. I mean, I, I coming from like JoJo, I was expecting this to be like their super ability, like a stand sort of thing. But it, it's kind of ish, but also different in its own sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's a JoJo reference. <laughs> I like how I like people coming in with different touch points. That makes me happy. Oh yeah. And this is also a cool perspective because I came into this show after into this story after watching Fate Zero, which is very different. It's a very different there's no like high school rom com vibe at all in Fate Zero. So like coming to that off of Fate Zero is like, whoa, this isn't Fate. What is up what is up with that? That's that's interesting. I am interested in Fate Zero at some point, but I might I might I think you recommended I take a little I think you need a break, a little break because of what I did after Unlimited Blade Works. Because as you said, mm-hmm. Unlimited Blade Works was the homework for what I was really interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so glad that you're having such a good time with that one because, because mm-hmm. um, like I felt I feel like you you like obviously like the one that Heaven's Feel is like my favorite, but I feel like. If you're gonna enjoy Heaven's Feel, it sort of depends on buying into Unlimited Blade Works, and I did not really realize that until talking about it with Rhett. Blade Works is like the shot, and Heaven's Feel is the chaser. In the sense, cool. hi. How about that? Those fights at the end, huh? Okay, okay. I will say this about Fate, and with this is you. something I've been formulating in a while. Fate is very good at presenting each fight that you're watching in the moment. The impression you get from a fate fight is, oh my god, this is the coolest fucking shit I have ever seen. (laughs) And every fight nails that in its own unique way. Like, whether it be, oh, the stakes are up, or whether it just be, holy shit, everything is exploding and swords are clashing and Jesus, or even, you know, like, once you get to mid-season two and that revelation... It suddenly becomes not just a fight of clashing swords, but also clashing ideologies, which... Ideals. Which, you know, I, I practically marinated in for a year and a half watching Symphogear, where every, basically every fight is that, mm-hmm. in its own way. Every big uh-huh. fight, like, between an antagonist and a protagonist. I was also glad you um, enjoyed this because you were... Because of... There's not really a good adaptation of the first route, and also the first route, the one that stars Saber, and also that route's a lot worse than the other two ones, because it's basically, it's the basic simple story that Unlimited Blade works like Metal Gear Solid 2s, and then Heaven's Feel, Metal Gear Solid 2s, Unlimited Blade works. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to get to that in just yeah. a bit, but yeah. I, like, I, I, but you I, just I jump straight into Unlimited Blade works and still had a good time, which I think is... Is really cool. Blayworks is a solid program. I mean, I found myself, like I said, binging it, you know, like, oh god, oh fuck, I, I gotta watch the next one. They got me on the hook, which yes. Symphogear kind of, I remember season four Symphogear one evening, I was like, oh okay, I'll just watch an episode. And it turned out that was part one of the finale, so I'm just like, fuck, I'm, I'm here for the next in. two hours, aren't I? <laughs> okay, fine. Show me what you got. And Excellent. it was good. But yeah. 
Unlimited Blade Works definitely did that. It's a good show. It's got a lot of cool shit, cool fights. Uh, Rin is just like I went into this like just knowing Rin off here. So it's like okay, Rin's like just a, a Sundere. Okay, fine. I'm not really into Sundere's. By the end of the show, I'm like okay, I I fucking love Rin. She's just like got a lot of depth and definitely her own ideology and interiority that you really delve into over the course of the show, clashing with Shiro. It's just like, are they, and, you know, the whole thing, are they going to be friends, or are they going to kill each other? (laughs) What's going to happen here? How are they going to get out of this one? Because you're, like, really rooting for them to, not not even just, like, to get together, but just, like, can these kids, like, be friends and not have to murder each other over some dumb bullshit? And the grail, over the grail. The Holy Grail War. Held once every six years, except for last time. For reasons reasons, which I'm sure Fate Zero explains and one day I'll get to. But, like, I also kind of like that Shiro sort of got drawn to this. He's kind of like, this is a trope I've seen in anime. I, I know at least two off the top of my head to do this are the original Mobile Suit Gundam and Symphigure Season 1, where it's like, simultaneously, you are the only one who can do this, and also, you are shit at this, you need to get better. which is the same thing because Shiro he doesn't have a very good grasp on his magic powers and it's like if you do not have an expert class magic level you are going to be murdered by these people so deal with it but and but also you can't back out well he can I guess if he does a bunch of bullshit but he's like he's got a strong sense of justice and he decides no I will not back out I will fight even though I'm shit at it Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he's and got he reasons for that strong sense of justice. <laughs> yes, and the show plays into those reasons and plays against them in really unique and interesting ways. That that was unlimited. It's pretty good, you know. Oh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know I'm not really a number grade kind of person, so I'm just gonna say unlimited blade works pretty good. If you like anime sword fight bullshit, you should probably check it out. But yeah, then that's right, that's after I, I finished unlimited blade works. I went to what I was really interested in because I, going into Fate, all I knew about was the cute girls. And the one I thought was the most cute was Sakura Mato. And it turns out that Sakura Mato has an entire movie trilogy about her called the Heavens Feel movie trilogy. So I watched three movies of the Heavensfield trilogy and two movies in one day I think and then another movie like the next day it was like really fast made me very happy I think I did a movie a day okay it felt so fast but yeah yeah, go ahead I didn't hear anything oh okay go ahead friends yeah I mean it felt fast to you because as I remarked as soon as I finished movie two and realized because I remember you talking about having to wait for Heaven's Feel 3 thanks to, you know, COVID shutting down theaters and all. So as soon as I finished movie two I, I, and realizing I could I could just jump into the other movie, I was like, oh my god, you waited a year and a half for this! <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Movie two ends on exactly the point I kind of wanted it to end, too. Movie just two. the worst turn. Movie two, yeah, it's a dark... T- but before we get to that, I really want to commend the first movie, because, like, okay. So Unlimited Blade Works was basically my homework, in the sense, for Heaven's Feel. Mm-hmm. But I also enjoyed it. But 
Go coming to Heaven's Feel Movie 1, the first 20 minutes are just like this comfortable, nostalgic blanket. Like, as soon as you get the shot of Shiro's common room, you're like, oh, I'm back! It's this oh. space! <gasps> and, and the first 20 minutes of Heaven's Feel 1, they're basically... It's playing around the margins of the story that I knew from Unlimited Blade Works. So you can mm -hmm. see they even show some of the same scenes. It's like, okay, so this is happening during this and this is happening during that. And we're sort of glassing over this because you've seen Unlimited Blade Works. If you're here, you know what happened. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can deal with this. It's a story that's told within the margins of the previous story because this is based on a visual novel. So it's like, here's all the shit that was happening with Sakura while Unlimited Blade Works was happening, because she kind of dropped out of the show for a bit there. Yeah. Like, I don't even think she had lines in season two, John. Oh, she just dro she completely drops out of the first one, too. She yeah. shows up at the start to make breakfast and wake you up and be the sweetest person in the world, and then she just vanishes for the rest of both routes. Yeah, so going into Heaven's Feel, I thought, okay, so this is going to be the story of what she was doing while Unlimited Blade Works was happening. And the first 20 minutes lead you on, to think that. Uh, it's nice, you know. Sakura is good. And then about 20 minutes in, uh, a fight happens that didn't happen in Unlimited Blade Works. And you're like, oh, wait, that's not right. This character was supposed to fight such and such, but instead they're fighting so and so and they've been defeated and wait, what's going on here? And that's when the slow realization hits you. Oh, this is... This is like an alternate reality sort of retelling thing. Anything mm -hmm. can happen. Mm -hmm. And then shit gets absolutely bonkers. And it's like, so this servant who did some, who did so and so in Unlimited Blade Works gets taken out. But then these other servants who were really big deals in Unlimited Blade Works, they just get, they just get fucking wasted immediately. And so cool, because like, that's what Unlimited Blade Works does to the first route. It's like these amazing endgame bosses in the first route are just, like, casually offed in the second by, like, a different villain. And it's like, so, oh, shit. So it's and then this cycle. one happens. So Go it's ahead. a cycle of escalation, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, like how, you know, uh, I, I definitely... Think I'm thinking of the Symphigure thing. I'm sorry. I'm like I'm magical girl. Detail. No, no, keep. It's gonna totally take me a around. while to get this out of here, but it's kind of like how later seasons of Symphigure are like, oh, these villains are really a big deal. They're they they punch through all your strongest shit, and they're like, ah, take that thundercock. I'm the strongest motherfucker on the block. You can't beat me with that weak chump shit. Actually, alchemy is stronger than friendship. Or is it? <laughs> Actually, it Actually, turns out Hibiki is stronger than God. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's get that. Yeah, that's that's basically how that goes. But yeah, yeah. So fate definitely does that escalation, according to you. Then where the big motherfucker of the previous route is just taken out like that in the next route, and you're like, oh holy shit, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And shit just keeps escalating and escalating through movie one here. And people are getting taken out and all kinds of fucked up shit's happening. And you're like, what is going on? So movie one, pretty good. It, it's definitely the theme of movie one, I guess, is uh, taking your expectations and 
totally subverting them, giving you just like, holy shit, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You finished so then, it and you really liked it, and I was like, "Okay, good. You really liked the boring one, so that means you're 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 definitely good." I said, "What? That was the boring one." Yep, it made me very happy. And I, I, I think I, I the first I, twenty minutes, the first twenty minutes of that first movie are in the VN because it always has to start the same way, and the uh, roots branch off. Um, that that all that content is a flashback, like halfway through. And moving that to the start works so well. And that's just straight up one of my favorite chunks of any fate media is just the first 20 minutes of that movie, of that first movie. It's it's real great. So that movie, too, happens. Uh-huh. And, uh, whoa! So it's starting to definitely get in the territory I'm familiar with and really playing with the themes of what it's going for. It's, it's laying down its thesis statement. Mm-hmm. Which it's doing cryptically, considering it's about Sakura and her mental interiority and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the thing she asks on this one little... It's, pretty, it's a pretty wholesome scene. She just asks, So if, I, if I'm a bad person, could you ever forgive me? Which... Gave me again this unfigured virus, but also like it's like, oh, what is it going for here? Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, this movie, these movies are really they're really focused on her and the theme of let me try and think how I can I'm going to uh talk it's, about it's, it. It's easier when I've got the keyboard than just <laughs> blah, blah, blah. that's sixty thousand words on the keyboard, easy. Sixty thousand words in speech. That's just my way of dealing. The theme, I think, that summarizes this and movie three are... Are you a bad person if bad things happen to you? And you keep doing bad things because you think you're a bad person? That's really cool. Because that definitely sums up Sakura to a T. Like, you find out some really... Really bad things have happened to her. Mm-hmm. And you feel sorry for her, but also she's what it, it's like sort of a victim complex in a way, but she has been victimized in a sense and traumatized. And it's like, if I'm not saved, if I haven't been saved from these bad things, well, then I must be a bad person. So I must be doing bad things. So I think I, I think that they're really willing to have her do be shitty <laughs> is sort of is pretty effective is a big part of why the story resonates with me a lot oh, is yeah. that she is that it's very willing to have her make really awful mistakes and do some really heinous shit. Which, um, yeah, she does partly because of circumstance and uh, magical bullshit, but also, you know. And also just like jealousy and a number of like very mundane, like, yeah, yeah, like a big part of that is just like jealousy and wanting to put someone that she cares about in a, in a box just for her. And there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good psychology there that I'm really a fan of, even if a lot of it basically, but I think there's, I think you can basically boil down a lot of this story to being pretty exploitative and gross. Um, and it's all, and it, a lot of it still kind of feels rooted in that 
sort of arrogate. Here's the new. Here's the new. Here's the. Here's the. Here's defining people as like a root archetype. Um, but I still got a lot out of that story and it hit me at exactly the moment in time when it would most hit me. So it's, oh. I've just been really connected with that in a, in a big fucking way. See, again, I come, I, I keep saying fucking symphony. I'm sorry, but it's, it, it defines, <laughs> but like, Something similar happens near the end of Symphagear, and it's very clearly an outside influence mm-hmm. let in at a moment of weakness. Not to put, just to be vague about it, but mm-hmm. the bad things that Sakura does aren't really from an outside influence. Like, it's part of it, but also it's very much her own fucked up traumas and lashing out. Yeah, like, she's a she's a person. It's not ju- it's not it's not like a shadow monster that has taken her over. Mhm. This is her. Well, yeah. there is, but part of it is Don't think about monster. it. Don't think it looks like her. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, <sighs> and then the movie ends on just like the the worst fucking timeline. <laughs> Where it's like the last remnant of her conscience gives way mm-hmm. as a as another horrible thing is about to be done to her, and she lashes out and is like, "I won't," and just worst timeline. And then movie three happens. <laughs> and then movie three happens. Brings on. I don't know. I don't know how it comes across watching it in the movies, but um. In the VN, um, the the climax, all the climax beats, all the stuff that's in movie three was by far the most like intense and cool action beats for me. Just playing but, it. I also had to say, John, uh, you saw these in the in the in the movies at the movies. Mm-hmm. I did. Like, I was just in the privacy of my own home, and even I was like, "Oh, some of this is kind of fucked up." I cannot imagine sitting in a crowded theater next to somebody watching this fucked up shit happen. You're talking about them sex scenes. <laughs> well, sort of, but also, you know, some fucked up shit near the end. Yeah. Too. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But also, you know, the sex scenes, like... like there, there's some, there are some inappropriate wooing. <laughs> and blood. Oh, God. You're just sitting there, and you, you're just sitting there, and she's like, Senpai, make love to me, and... <laughs> See, I love how they handled that because in the VN, it was just like it was like it's always a man a mana plot device where like we need to have sex so that you can be supercharged with magic. And I'm like, See, okay. Unlimited Blade Works, the show got around this. It's just Rin sort of touches him and uh, transfers the mana. But in the VN, you told me they they totally bone. Mm-hmm. But in Heavensfield, the fucking is pretty important. But, but like, and the way they handle that is like they they remove the the mana transfer bullshit and they just want to have sex and I think that's much nicer. I will say the, the screenshots you showed me of the VN kind of kind of rankled me. Yeah, because the, oh yeah, because like the idea is you know this woman has had terrible traumas of a sexual nature. Dunder. It's pretty overtly sexual nature as you find out Dunder. and the VN is like uh. What 
is like, oh, her movements are like an educated prostitute. And I'm like, you fuckers! Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. Let's be, let's be, let's be clear. This is, um, it's a very, there's a lot of very ugly bullshit throughout all of these games and all of these stories. And it's all, and like I said, it's ultimately all coming back to wanting to tell a, um, pretty exploitative and, like I said, like arrogate archetype focused story where like it's defining everybody by re- in relation to Shiro. And like that's true even in Heaven's Field, no matter even if it's as focused on her interiority as it is, it's still very much porn in like a deep tissue sense. And then the movies, the way they handle that in the show is they they try to make they basically just class it up as much as possible. But I feel like fundamentally it's still that same kind of indulgent instinct. And indulgent and ultimately like sexist instinct. I mean, not playing the VN, the classing it up worked. Just, I'm mm-hmm. just, but I'm just. Once you post these out of context screenshots, I'm like, hey, maybe don't call the sexual assault the survivor yes. an educated oh. prostitute in her movements <laughs> while boning. Uh, what? Chair. Printing. Yeah. All right, so to finish your. So, movie three happens. And a whole lot of bullshit has gone down. But it also just ties together in a really wild way. Like, the fights, again, some of the hypest shit you've ever seen. Like, one fight near the end is just jaw-dropping. So even now, when it's got this serious, like, edge of, oh, Jesus, full-on fallen to the darkness, like, the fights are just, holy fucking shit! the coolest shit you've ever seen. Now, you know exactly the one I'm talking about, John. Wait, Ooh. which one? Which one? Uh, well, I know which one I'm thinking of, and then Rhett knows which one he's I'm, thinking of. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, I'm just going to say the names of the service. Go for Saber, it. Saber versus Ryder. Yeah! yeah. I win it's this fine. one, John! I win this Fuck. one! <laughs> you win see, in the, see, in the VN, it, it's Sheer and Berserker. That's the coolest <laughs> for me. I mean, it's... it's that's a that's a pretty neat fight too, and it's got a nice emotional <laughs> ending. I'll give it that. Right, was like just hits him like once and he dies. What the fuck? And I'm like, no. The Rider versus Saber one is like a full two minutes of pure animated bliss. It's the most simple gear of this whole thing. Uh, yeah. Sorry, John. I'm gonna have to give Rhett that one. It is very simple gear. <laughs> Fine. It doesn't come I, across. I, 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 wrote, I wrote the book on this. I'm the authority. It's very simplicator. They don't play the do 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 song in the writer fight. <laughs> God, I also appreciate that Ryder got a moment to shine because in BBW, yeah. it's oh, just yeah. she's one shotted, and it <laughs> like seems very that early. Heaven, and it seems that Heaven's Feel does that too, but then it doesn't, and it's like, oh, Ryder gets to do shit in this arc as well. But, you know, and just, it keeps going with the action. Like, at near the end of the movie, it's basically just Metal Gear Solid, Liquid versus Snake. <laughs> just exactly where my brain went reading it. I was like, this is like a fucking Metal Gear climax. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I don't know how the uh, VN frames it, but, like, it's just the lighting and shirtless dude punching another dude. It's like, it's so Metal Gear. So fucking choice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And 
you've got the you've got even more of an emotional core. This like the confrontation between Rin and Sakura, who they they have more of a connection than you realize at first. It's like it's very much not just a magic bullshit fight or a clash of ideology. It's just regret and bearing one's inner soul and traumas as expressed by a confrontation. Mm-hmm. I told you afterwards, I feel like Reen and Ilya are kind of the ultimate heroes in Heaven's Feel in a major way. I get you. I get you. Ilya. <laughs> I, I haven't really talked about Ilya. She's, she got a raw deal in UBW, but she's pretty good in Heaven's Feel. And the ending... She's extremely good in Fate Stay Night, and don't don't look anywhere else. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> all you need. That's the only Ilya content you need. She's very good in Fate Stay Night. God, that's just... And Sakura does get a moment where she, you know, well... The the one moment where she confronts one of her abusers is, you know, the climax to the second movie, and it's just... It's sort of a lash. But the other abuser, she definitely gets a catharsis of sorts. Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time... Yeah, the way both of those those characters... The way both of those characters get offed is very cathartic and all... But, like darkly so because you know it's hurting her too yeah it hurts it's like okay you got your revenge but now what you you just ripped your soul out you're still hurting i love this story a lot (laughs) even though and the ultimate resolution the thing that redeems her is just it's built up by the rules and i just you you know in the tip. In the oh, you parts. mean? Do you mean the cool knife? Do you mean the very cool knife? <laughs> I mean friends? the very cool knife. You mean the very cool knife? Yeah, it's a cool knife. It feels really good, doesn't it? I was just hooting and hollering like an idiot. <laughs> that hit me so hard at the end. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, like all that build up, knowing this. Knowing the uh, let's say the abilities of this very cool knife, and seeing it and seeing it pulled out via other abilities, you're just like it was such a Brandon Sanderson moment, just like everything coming to a head in like this major way. And I was like, holy shit! Ah, and you know, there's sort of a cost, but in the end, things do sort of work out, like. He's such a sap. Every every single every single route ends with a a soul rending warm smile. Um, Every one of them has that has that moment, and it's just like oh oh. Garden of Sinners too. You can sum up the resolution with just, "Are you happy, Sakura?" Ah! So that was Heaven's Feel, and it was very very good. It goes in some very dark fucking places, so uh, mm. be wary of that if you decide to seek this out, but it was mm-hmm. very good, and I enjoyed blasting through it and screaming about it with you in DM. John? So glad. Yeah. It was, it was, it's hard not to be confronted by like a lot of the ingrained ugliness, especially reading like some of the preceding work, which dives in like Tsukihime, which dives into similar themes in even more exploitative ways. So it's just like, okay, I kind of see a lot of the ugliness at the core of this, yeah, but that 
that doesn't change like how hard it fucking hit me at the in the moment. Yeah, there's a line between you know tackling these subjects with tact mm-hmm. and tackling it with you know a lack of tact. Mm-hmm. It seems like the VN hit it with a lack of tact, and the anime sort of went, "Oh God, uh, make this look as nice as possible. Trim around it as much <laughs> as you can." I, I will say, like deep tissue wise, I think that it's ultimately um, nicer than Fate Zero. <laughs> Which, that's, that's interesting, and I'll you know I'll maybe see that for myself one day. I think that I think that'll make an interesting point of comparison, especially because they basically retell like bits of, Fa- of Fate Stay Night, bits of Unlimited Blade Words, and bits of Heaven's Feel in Fate Zero, all and all of them in like slightly different ways, coming to slightly different conclusions because well, it's that, a different author. It's very cool. Oh, that's uh, and that author is uh, a <laughs> Yeah, the Monica guy. In- it's what he wrote in between Monica and some really gross VNs. <laughs> oh boy. So that'll definitely be interesting to dive into, but that was my uh, fate journey. I, I, I honestly don't know how much more fate. I'm gonna, there's a million fate things. There's so much. Just <laughs> so much. You can just watch Fate Zero. Yeah. That's it. You're good. I haven't even seen the one with Umu yet. With Umu? Oh my god. Yeah, they oh. did an adaptation. That's Fate Extra. It's the JRPG series for the PSP that was also written by Nasu, so it's probably better than a lot of them. And the anime doesn't seem like it was very warmly received. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that one had... I think on Netflix they always had, like, Fate Extra movie number two. Like, why is this up here by itself? Oh, weird. I only knew that they had one season. I'm not really sure. I might be entirely oh. off base. So, in summary, I, I yelled to Rhett in DM about Sinfigure. I yelled to John in DM <laughs> about Fate. So what anime am I going to scream to Polly about going, Oh my god, holy fuck! Split. I can't even... Gungale Online. <laughs> there you go, Gungale Online. <laughs> I don't What were you going to say? I don't even know what could evoke that much conversation. Um... Like, like, like I don't know what I would watch or what I would even recommend to somebody. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's really funny, though. I, I made that exact joke that I just made to John, like, I, I think it was either today or yesterday. And you know what he said? Mm. Gun Gale Online? <laughs> Good lord. Like, like, no. like no. I don't know that, that, that Gun Gale Online is like that deep dive kind of show, though. I feel mm. like that's a show no. you watch. You watch it mm. and you go... That shit was fucking cool! But what else do you say about like, it? There's nothing... The- there is nothing thematic running through Gun Gale Online. It is no. brain dead action at its finest. That is what you're gonna get. You're not gonna get much conversation out of it uh, beyond mm-hmm. it just being. <laughs> but the cool. conversation is, man, that was fucking cool. Let's watch it again. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I know the beats of Gun Gale Online because at one point I fell in a little rabbit hole of videos tearing into Sword Art Online, mm. and I happened to see one. Like summarizing Gun Gale online and the shit that happens in it, and like there's some dumb shit in it, but also there's some really creepy fucking ideas in there that are pretty neat. I think it can be confusing because Gun Gale is also an arc in Sword Art Online. Yeah, like so you have to like, know which one they're talking about. You have to about. know which one I, they were actually I don't, talking I, about. Whichever one it is that has a spoiler warning, uh, an actual real world world a real world killer. Yeah, that's, 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 the, 
That's the that's regular Sal. Yeah, that's yeah. regular Sal. But that's not the one you're talking. About. No, 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 no. The one that the one that we just discussed, brain dead as fuck. Yep. They but very then, explicitly say there will be no real world violence in this. I see. Okay. Mm-mm. Look, sometimes you just need something to turn your brain off and just okay. I'm done. <laughs> like Simpo Gear. Except, except that didn't work very well for me down there because I'm an idiot. And I'm like, oh, this is giving me feelings. I should write about them. Help! Help! <laughs> oh, God. 60,000 words about a girl who punches and makes me cry. My goddess. He's so good. So that was my uh, dive into fate that I decided Thank to talk friends. about for 20 minutes instead of writing about, you know. Rhett got, Rhett got a book, you got a podcast, and, you know, all, all's fair and love and war. I'm sorry for using you as a um, as a weapon against Red. <laughs> Fritz. That's, that's okay. Wait, he got, um... he, he, that's okay. You, he, he got a win because I said the Saber Rider fight was lit. Yeah. <laughs> True, true. He did. The, the, <laughs> you get you had that, and then you you said Symphogear like seventy five times. Yeah, I feel so. It's anyways. Like, like I, there's a joke I wanted to make on main one time, but I never, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it here. I wrote sixty thousand words about Symphogear. Red spent six six thousand dollars. <laughs> Red has you wrote sixty thousand words. Red has sixty thousand feelings. That's. Yeah, big mood. I, I don't think Polly necessarily has a has a point of comparison because I feel like Fate and Symphogear kind of drilled into me and Rhett's brains like weird like <laughs> gave us some gave us some brainworms a little bit. I think it's less, some real I think it's less that I don't feel that way about things and more that I just don't talk about it, but that's just personal experience. Uh-huh. Like, that, that's, it's that's, it's that's a personal thing. So it's just like yeah. I probably do have brainworms about things like that, but it's like, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, obviously. I think like what did it for me with the Sympha gear was that I came off it not long after going, actually going through Sailor Moon, which I went mm-hmm. to for my own very personal reasons for a nostalgic rewatch and really resonated with me. And then Sympha gear kind of resonated with the feelings that gave me. So I was like, oh, okay. I wrote about Sailor Moon, so I have to write about Sympha gear. It's and very it's- funny because Hibiki like, means resonate. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Resound. <laughs> oh, oh my! It, wait, oh shit! I should, I could have used that in the book if I'd known that. <laughs> There's fuck. always more to think. Do you about. know how many times I said resonate in, in that book? I got, and I got fact, a word counter. I can check that. And the fact, <laughs> and the fact that Hibiki has the same voice actress as Madoka in the Madoka show. It's all show. connected. It's all connected. It's like and I'm like, I'm one like of them the is the, one of them is um Nanaha. Yeah. So I'm like the goddamn Pepe Sylvia guy here at this point with magical girl bullshit. <laughs> it's all connected. Such a good point of watch Princess Tutu. That'll be a nice. That'll be no, a nice no, chase wait, 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 no, bullshit. no. You know what I need to watch? Pe- people have told me to watch Princess Tutu though. I really, mm-hmm. I think, I think at some point I need to watch Utna. Utna is real. Utna is gonna give you some, give you some good brain works. That shows. That show is dense. Yeah, With well, I, I need I need to take I need to take a magical girl detox and just sort of mm-hmm. yeah, that's focus fair. on my own shit. But thank you for having me.
Absolutely so, yes. impressed. It was a pleasure. If, if I may plug one or two small little things before I go. Mm-hmm. Well, first go of all, my, first of all, my blog FresnosRavingRants.blogspot.com, where you can find sixty thousand words about Symphogear. Absolutely, I, I post and, that in the chat. And I also would be remiss if I did not mention, and I need to look at our Twitter to see okay. if I have that right. Nope, I, I I just checked it. That is the correct link. No, no, no a, a different Twitter. Uh, the Twitter oh. for our uh, for the podcasts that I do with my friends Rainiac and Concave Usurper, talking about classic episodes of Doctor Who, Doctor Who reviews, and you can find our feed on Twitter at reviews doctor. That's reviews capital D doctor. Oh, which. And tomorrow we're doing a podcast on the worst story of the show. And I hate it. I'm going to yell about it. <laughs> so you got to do one episode of a podcast where you get to just have a moment of joy. And then another where you get to have a moment of just complete disgust. Yeah, yeah. This this, this was the good... The, the, the movie trilogy about, like, trauma and murder and hurt feelings... That's mm-hmm. the good podcast experience. Oh. I mean, to be fair, if you listen to our podcast long enough, I think everything we watch or engage with comes down to that. To, comes down to some kind of trauma. Yeah, Gosh, it's really a recurring thread. Gosh, but yeah, thanks so much for having me, everybody. And uh, thanks, Braz. All right, you, you, I'll, I'll, I'll pop on the thing and listen to the rest of the show. Just I'll be hanging out. So. uh you you three have a good one and uh, we'll see you. Right, right. Oh, Thanks by the way, on, uh, one more thing: Famcom Detective Club are good video games. Yeah, I'm getting nice. those at some point. Like, I'm not jumping into them right away. They'll be there when I want them. But they like yeah, ever since I, I, they I, were I, yeah. announced, that was just like, yep, I'm getting those. I blasted through on the weekend. Just quick review: they're very faithful 1988 adventure games, but they're wholesome and nice and murder mystery sort of things. It's 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 just comforting. Right. It's a little obtuse and frustrating and a handful of moments. I'm kind of glad they kept that shit. Like, I know that they kept some mm-hmm. of the weird obtuse bullshit in those games. I'm just like, I'm glad they didn't yeah. go back and smooth that over. <laughs> they didn't, uh, you know, AM2R it. Right, right, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Cool. Good comparison. Yeah. So, uh, that's that, and, uh, bye, everybody. Take it easy. All right, Thire. Hi. Thank you, for being, thank you all for being patient. With, that, I, that was an absolute joy, and I really liked having Frez on. I, I, I really appreciate. Because everybody now, everybody gets that. Everybody gets one now. Like if nobody else on the podcast likes a thing that you talk about, everybody now gets to bring someone on to talk for an hour about the thing that they like. That's a thing we get to do now. That's a weapon we get to wield. Just with with boy, with, I've. I've got multiple weapons now. Yeah, like, you can literally just come back next week and be like, all right, I'm going to bring Fresno on, and we're going to talk about Simpho gear. <laughs> I've got this button here, this big red button. It says, John made me watch Sword Art Online 2. Oh, jeez. And I'm allowed to so- press it at, at any time and make him watch something. Oh, that's so terrible. That is, that is, that is, a, that is a scary power to have. Yeah. I've withheld on using it for like over a year. Oh, I like that. Like you, just ha- you gotta hold on to that, cash it in at the most opportune moment. I know exactly when. Oh.
I don't know what it's going to be. So, John, what else have you been up to? Do we have anything else? I, I have something else, and it's not evil. It's Hunt Down. Yeah, hey! okay. That's a video game. This game's good as hell. Crunchy. It's really good, yeah. So I, there's a couple things I love about this. Um, it's basically the same thing Polly promised on the podcast, which was just like, hey, this is not Contra. Um, mm -hmm. This has a sort of weightier feel to it. And it's got a lot kind of flashback um, Blackthorn vibes where, like, you can literally, like, pull back against cover, pull back under cover, pull back against the background to dodge bullets. Yeah. Um, and you've got a slide and you've got a number of cool little doodad movement tech things. It doesn't feel as heavy as, like, those yeah. sorts of games. Um, but it's definitely a different flavor from, yeah. like, the kind of console shoot 'em up mm -hmm platformers that i'm used to you get a yeah. little so, even a bit of movement nuance where you can like be running and then press down and you'll start sliding forward or like yes. the quick dash that you have like this the the run forward slide especially is just kind of like slide into cover it's yeah. not really a slide to evade things yeah like even like the dash is like way slower than something like a contra hardcore where you have invincibility frames this is yeah. just like Hey, slightly quicker movement. Yeah. And you can also, I think you can just like kick enemies in the air, which is. Yeah, you can just get cool. close to them and press the attack button. You'll kick them and then you can just shotgun blast them away if you want. It's real good. Fucking rules. Um, you have, you get weapons, but they're constantly running out of ammo. So you're yeah. just constantly picking up, but then you're getting this stream of new weapons all the time. Yeah. So that's also a very, I, I like that. I probably like that more than Contra style. I, it's like, okay. Yeah. I like that you're constantly just... switching weapons in this game. Like you don't, you can't get mm -hmm. married to one all that often unless it's like a secret weapon that you found where they'll give you like 300 ammo for it. But like most guns come with like, like if it's a shotgun or something, it's like four to 10 shots. And it's like, yeah. if it's an automatic weapon, you got maybe 30 shots and you can't, you gotta be bouncing back and forth between shit. Uh, it makes it feel like uh, a real kind of just like, gun battle out in the streets where you you go out there with what you got and you got everything secure on site. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are dropping from enemies, so it's really kind of kinetic like, okay, take his gun, shoot the other grab that guy's gun. Oh, I got a flamethrower at one point though. I was just like this fucking rules. Oh, it's so good. Oh my god, the flamethrower feels so good. And then I died and had to redo that part. I was just like, "No, I hit I killed everybody in one shot." <laughs> now I have to do it for real. <laughs> when you get to the end game, you start having to actually learn sections. Yeah, Feels yeah. real good. It's like, oh fuck! I, I posted a video where I just like had this section down, mm. and it felt so good. Where you're like <laughs> throw an axe at a flying enemy. The flying enemy spirals down and explodes on the ground. You jump out of the way of the exploding enemy. Then you know these enemies are going to spawn, and you throw a grenade over there. And it like that the way it the action choreography works mm -hmm. and the way it works because it's different from a, from a lot of console shoot 'em ups um, feels real fucking good. Mm. I really and dig I, it. I love the axe. Just hitting a hit on that. Yes. Oh, it feels so good. All the Just thrown like, weapons, all the thrown yeah. weapons other than grenades have a very generous auto, uh, Autocorrect yeah. on the I noticed arc, that. So that when you <laughs> yeah. throw it, like if an enemy's close, it'll just go ahead and make that hit for you. It but it feels like it feels like a skill thing where it's like, oh no, it arced up and hit that guy right where I needed him. Yeah, like they, mm -hmm. it always hits at like the coolest moment possible. <laughs> 
grenades also like those are so bad <laughs> in so many video games are yeah. grenades but the yeah. way they make it work here is that the grenade explodes once it's overlapping with an enemy yeah so if you yeah. aim it right and it lands on an enemy then it'll explode and do a bunch of damage and it feels real fucking good yeah, i think that's how yeah. bionic commando rearms grenades work too nice yeah, you can hear it beep in this like it's a proximity thing. That's just like, oh no, I see an enemy. I'll explode now instead of waiting like three seconds. Yeah, yep. It's like, very I've been smart. Able, I've been able to use grenades against bosses, which feels like unthinkable in most other games. Mm-hmm. Similar, where mm-hmm. oh, the boss moved the and it exploded four seconds later. Cool. Yeah, uh, the bosses get so fucking cool. Yeah, they're really good, even like in the uh, second world. By yeah, now, like even early, like. I describe them as just, like, they're very simple scripted micro-challenges that, mm-hmm. like, they escalate over the course of the fight, like, even though they're just really simple, like, almost like SNES Genesis patterns, yeah, yeah. really, uh, and they rarely deviate from those patterns, uh, but they escalate in, in really satisfying ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I totally like, see that. It's like, you have this one really simple phase at the start, and then, oh, second life bar... Now I'm doing it faster and with an extra twist on top, mm-hmm. and then half halfway down that life bar. Oh, now I'm just going doing the whole same th- pattern really fast. Yeah, <laughs> feels fucking great. And like the world, like, like when you get to the end of a world and like the big climax boss fights. <clears throat> oh god, they're so big and stupid. <laughs> it's so fucking choice. He, he he stole a police robot. <laughs> That's the only one I've seen so far. It's so. really good. <laughs> I think my favorite gang is the Misconducts. Yeah, that's the second one, right? Yeah, that's the hockey team. Yeah. Like they're so oh, man, they're, they're good. So fun. They're so good. Um and the the one other thing is the cool kind of structure thing, mm. which is that it's divided up into basically four worlds of like five levels mm-hmm. and it it kind of just feels like four episodes of a cool DOS game. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it which I really much, dig. It's going for that feel, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it the way the way it like came together for me was that it felt like it was a two hour game. It was like a long game that I mean it wouldn't be two hours if you did it all without dying, but yeah, it was a pretty long game that still felt very compact and immediate. Yeah, and like it would be rewarding to play closely, which I don't get from a lot of games that are mm. action games that are this long. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it literally basically feels like four episodes where it's oh, like, you can I just play just... one at a time. Yeah. 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 I, I think I would find, I started doing this. I think I would find a lot of joy in um, trying to beat each level in one life. I think that'd be really satisfying. Yeah. They just added an arcade mode literally like a day after it launched mm-hmm. on steam where you've got limited lives and you have to go through uh, each gang, uh, you you can continue, of course, uh, which mm-hmm. kills your score. But like the object is obviously to do it in as few lives as possible, um, and it's it's all set to hard mode, uh, which is that yeah. game's got a, that oh, game's yeah. got a real satisfying hard mode. That's pretty much exactly what I. Well, that's that's so ideal. I didn't know what the arcade mode was exactly, but that just sounds perfect. That yeah, sounds it, like exactly what I wanted. Yeah, it's just a score. Like it's it's keeping your score, and like you can still continue when you lose all of your lives, uh, but it mm-hmm. resets your score. So it, you're mm-hmm. still incentivized to just like, okay, let's just start that over. Uh, and then it, like they they just do all the stages sequentially without going back to the map. Yeah, that's dope. Oh, that rules. 
Yeah, I can see like having a good time playing him closely, mm-hmm. like trying to find the doodads and whatnot, and then also trying to learn that arcade mode. That sounds really fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. This this one, like I I was comparing it a lot with Blazing Chrome in my head yeah. because I those were kind of the big high profile run and gun, um, indie games that I played mm-hmm. with fucking gorgeous pixel art yeah. that I've played, um, in the last year, and. I think it was the thing Rhett said earlier where it's like this has a very cool defined world that it does yeah. with without a lot of um with without a lot. It, it's like all in the margins, but it still does so much with it. Mm-hmm. Or it's taking inspiration from so many things, like you get the Mad Max and the Robocop and the Blade Runner and all that. Yeah. But then it's it's taking inspiration from so many fucking things that it's that it just feels like its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's so like this game has all the art every bit of it every art you've ever imagined it's it's crazy it's dense like every level is worth going back and just looking at because there's little details everywhere like this is so labored over it's ridiculous i love the dialogue i love all the va god the va is so (laughs) cheesy and silly and just like the quips, the one-liners, they're so fun. I play with Anaconda, of course. Yeah, so I, she's um, good. Yeah, she had such good personality. <laughs> um, uh, the soundtrack is amazing. Soundtrack is fucking just stunning. that. I was playing that first that first level, first yeah. world track, that mm-hmm. big one. It's it's got that big eighty synth vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like one of my favorite aesthetics. Yeah, it's, it's just heavy like, synth wave. Yeah. Is it sort of what Hotline Miami does? I can't really remember. It's very similar to Hotline Miami, but it doesn't have, like, the same kind of drops that um, yeah. Hotline Miami mm. does. Or but the it's bright got neon that, aesthetic. But it's really drowning in that, like, synthy, kind of coked out uh, vibe uh, that Hotline Miami has. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. not quite as um, blown out as Hotline Miami gets. I think it's like... I, I I think it's one of my favorite aesthetics. Yeah, it's a good. Is one. what I'm thinking. It's like what it's just like the second those the big synths start heading in like the second or third level, I was just yeah. like shivers down the spine. Oh yes, oh this is this is what I like. Uh, this is good for me. Yes, please. Uh, everything booms real good. Um, mm-hmm. Everything just explodes in such set. Like there's so many explosion animations. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You have to wonder if they just got like that, like they made some kind of uh, explosion generator that just pops off every time something explodes, and because nothing feels the same every time. Nope. <clears throat> God, the God, the all the weapons feel so good. Mm. Yeah, and it's just yeah, like it, it's a game where like you've got pretty standard weapons, like they're not crazy most of the time. I don't yeah. think it's not crazy metal slug weapons or anything or crazy contra weapons. It's just they're pistols and guns and rifles that they sound like their real world counterparts, and they just got a little bit more boom behind them. Um, mm-hmm. And enemies go flying in a real satisfying way when you waste them. It was pretty funny starting this like right after watching GGO and just being like, <laughs> oh, "Yes, this is my anti tank rifle!" Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's so fucking good. And the, I, I remember thinking, like, going into the end game. I'm not going to say anything specific, of course. Yeah. Um, where I was just like, okay, John, you've been kind of going a little hard on the whole, like, gotta go big at the end. It's like a like a Kamiya game. I guess I was talking a lot about Devil May Cry 4. Yeah. And I was talking uh-huh. about a lot of games like that. And I was feeling like I was being a little bit, like, wanting one thing out of every story and being disappointed if I didn't get that one thing. Yeah. Um, so I was just like going to the game, like, okay, this isn't going to have a big over the top climax because that's just not the kind of game this is. It's going to have another cool boss. that's about on par with the preceding bosses. And I'm going to be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. And then it went really fucking hard. Oh, at the no. end. Yeah. It goes really hard anyway. It goes really hard anyway. And it rules. Yep. Shit, <laughs> it's I'm dope as hell. Yeah. It's really good. I man, like like I said during the 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 game of the year podcast, like even like mm. even though it didn't win my game of the year, like Hunt Down is like one of those games that I want to champion. I want more people to play this because I mm-hmm. know I listen. I know this community's tastes. I know the things that hit. Hunt Down is one of those games that's going to fucking hit. Like give it a mm-hmm. shot. You will fucking love it. I guarantee it. Yeah, it's just, like, a really, really strong action game vision. It's just yeah. knows exactly what it's doing. It knows exactly um, not just what it's what it's inspired by, but how the things it's inspired by worked. Mm-hmm. And then building off those lessons yeah. in, like, a real thoughtful, educated way. Yeah, like, you could have copied... It's the real shit. You could have copied something like Blackthorn and Flashback and probably made something decent... Like if you've if you've got the love for that genre and, and you want to put that kind of passion into it, this mm-hmm. goes so much further than that. Though it takes those ideas, it expands them, it tosses in some extra shit that feels like maybe it was inspired a little by Turrican, things like mm-hmm. that to kind of like make all of this like diving behind cover and shit plus the all out like run and gun shit feel really good mixed together because hiding behind cover you don't feel like you're just sitting there poking at enemies because like the, the like the enemies are still pretty dynamic even though the bosses are a bit more pattern based the mm-hmm. normal enemies are a little more dynamic in that like sometimes they'll go for cover or sometimes they'll just come for you uh to flush you out of cover with a ball bat and it's it, and like because all the weapons kind of like have a delay after shooting them, that's still dangerous. Like, that enemy with the ball bat can still get in your face and fuck you up. So smart. Yep. <clears throat> it's just one of those things where just the vision is so strong yeah. and complete that you just finish it and you're just kind of blown away. Like, yeah, you knew like, exactly what you wanted to make and you knew how to make it and you did and he worked as long as you needed to to make it as loved on as you, need, as you wanted. Yeah, like... The competency behind this, the strength of the vision, and, like, the utter confidence this game has in just everything that it's doing at all times is just unfucking believable Cool. I hope you have a good time with it, Rhett. <laughs> I do, too. I think it's, it's, enjoyed... it sounds like you're in it already. Yeah, so. if yeah, you enjoyed I'm, the first I'm world, definitely... if you got to the end of the Fine. first world and you liked what you saw, like, you were going to like the way this game escalates. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about Valfaris right now, like, as a similar kind of heavy... Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing. Valfaris, like, it's a different kind of game. It's more... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like, I feel that, like, Hunt Down lends itself to being a little more methodical, 
where yeah. like there's no cover in yeah Valfaris. there's no cover in Valfair. Valfarius is all out all the time uh, and like you know kind of getting it sinking your teeth into these really big segmented levels and these portions where you sometimes you just gotta get it down uh, and then fucking yeah. run your run your game um uh, yeah, but Valfaris has that same similar kind of heavy fucking feeling to it that I wasn't expecting Definitely. going in. Awesome. Yeah, yeah Valfaris is like sort of the last of the trifecta of yeah. just like yeah. really big, labored on, loved on um, indie running guns. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to play through that one too. I believe it was right next to Hunt Down into your game of the game of the year list. Yeah, I think they were right. Yeah, I think uh, I think Valfaris oh. was like six, and I think Hunt Down was five. Maybe I think it was something like that. Um, I think so. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, but um, just because you know they didn't make you know two or one doesn't mean that they should they, like those were the highest rated action games on my list. So. Yeah. Um, because everything yeah, else, because everything else was non-video games, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, like a, a short, punchy action game is is always going to be. When it comes to like overall effect, it's sort of yeah, it can't land as hard most of the time as yeah. you know an eighty-hour visual novel. Yeah, and it take and, and we mentioned Blazing Chrome. I don't want to take anything away mm. from Blazing Chrome. No, uh, just because great. just because it's not like what hunt down is like in terms of building a world and all that stuff like hunt downs all like all of that game's visuals were made like like, like all of blazing chrome's visuals were made by one person so it mm-hmm. in and of itself is still an impressive goddamn looking game so let's not get and it, it plays great here. yeah and it's, it's really still fun plays great and is really fun but hunt down there's just that extra bit of sense of place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes it fucking shine. Those little bits of detail, the way the music ties everything together, just makes it sing a little more for me. And just because it's a, a kind of run and gun, I'm not as you know yeah. like like it's familiar so with. Unique. Like I played a lot of contra hardcore. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of stuff like Hunt Down. Yeah, I haven't played anything like Hunt Down. Like I've dabbled. Like I've played. We we compare it with Blackthorn and everything, mm-hmm. but those games do feel. Those games feel radically different. different. Like those, like yeah. Blackthorn is not a run and gun game. Blackthorn yeah. is a no. very slow, methodical uh, puzzle platformer. Whereas Hunt Down mm-hmm. is just all out. Like it's taking those ideas and making them really loud and fast, and taking exactly. out and taking out the the the, the smart boy stuff. That yeah, exactly. Well, without. Without going so far the other way that it just becomes kind of weightless. Yeah, like, like a, because like no, this game's got weight to it, and it feels yeah. real good and chunky. It, it's stunning. I, I had a really good time with it. Yeah. Rhett, did you have anything else? No, I did not. Okay. Polly, I did guess. You have I guess I'll close this out then. Woo! How about not a video game, right? Because video visual novels yeah. aren't video games. <laughs> We're fi- figuring that one out as we go. No, I, I think that I think that if you start saying visual novels aren't video games, you're giving people a real shitty reason to start excluding narrative focused things from the conversation with regards to video games. So I will always yeah. stand by the fact that visual novels are video games. I, I feel like regular. I feel like visual novels with branching choices are like very transparently games and video games. Mm-hmm. And then I just say. Let's just include kinetic VNs in the same conversation because they're yeah. obviously borrowing a lot of the same vocabulary yeah. and they're telling stories in a similar vein. Yeah. So 
might as fucking well just include them in the same category. Exactly. <laughs> just makes sense to me. Good good cool. preference to have, because I'm going to talk about a visual novel for a little bit. Cool. Is it a kinetic visual novel? It is a kinetic visual novel. There, oh, is, there, one, there is one choice in this video <laughs> game that you get to make three times, and it doesn't matter because you have to make them all. Perfect. Samurai oh. Cross, who is in my chat right now. I love that man. I love him Excellent. so much. Hi, Samurai <laughs> Karasu. I love you. Good pal there. Good friend of the show. Always a blast when we have him on. Uh, I read through Iwaihime. Oh, you finished it? Yes, I finished it. Uh, oh, I, still, I still have a, a DLC chapter to finish. Uh, okay. I, I, but like, I finished the main narrative, and I was just like, I'm cool with stopping there for like a, a, you know, a week or so. I'm fine with that. But I'll come back and hit the DLC probably before next episode. But... Finished Iwaihime. Uh, Iwaihime is a visual novel that was written by Ryukishi07, who you might know, uh, wrote Higurashi, Umineko, Kikonia. Um, this is the only game I can think of where, like, he's worked on outside of 07th Expansion. So it sounds like somebody, like, they had their idea and they they contracted him to write it, uh, which it's, it's not something that... Um, I, I, I've never heard of him doing this before, so this feels like a real special case in some way. Um, mm -hmm. or maybe just like a favor for someone, something like that. Either way, like when you put Ryukishi's name on something, guess who's there? Me! I'm gonna be, yes. I'm, I'm the one that's gonna be there. So, that's fucking dope. so this game, uh, starts, um, with a girl. She's going to pick up a relative from the train station who's moving in. He's the, he's the requisite boy love interest of the story, by the way. Um, and uh, out of nowhere, she she starts hearing some business lady near her talking about how cool suicide is. Oh boy! So this game kind of jumps into that Ryukishi <laughs> shit right away. Um, uh, and, and like this lady's just like, you know, suicide's a way to refresh the soul. You rejuve your life if you commit suicide. It'd be real cool to just jump <laughs> right in front of the fucking train, wouldn't it? So. This girl just kind of gradually starts spacing up and gets swept up into this very detailed vision of jumping out in front of the oncoming train and having her body be completely annihilated over and over and mm -hmm. over again. And she's like this, and like her narration is giving every little detail, every bone breaking, every muscle being reduced to paste. Uh. Jesus. Um, this is Ryukishi doing his gore shit, which he really perfected in Umineko. Mm -hmm. But this game is going to a different level from the jump. And I think that this is very on purpose. Like, it's doing this up front to say, like, look, this is what you're signing up for. Uh, that's probably why this is the demo. Um, uh, like, and this description just goes on for like 10 minutes. Like, it was, I think people in my chat mentioned they were very horny over, uh, <laughs> over the, over the way that this girl is just, like, like, she's fully caught up into this idea of having been run over by the train and having her body be completely destroyed over and over. Like, and there's, like a, there's a romance, too. The yeah, way like, she the way it. that she describes it is so, like, it's very romantic and, like, the weirdest way imaginable. Um, and, like, she's just super into it. And then she snaps Nothing out of it. Nothing harder than suicide, says Samurai Karasu. 
<laughs> Nothing gets him harder than suicide. Right? right? All of us. I feel like that's all of us. So she snaps out of it. And we find it, it's just like this, just this weird dreamlike vision that had just kind of been blanketing her reality. And, and, and that's kind of like the gimmick for this game is that a lot of really awful things are going to happen in this game. And it's going to happen through these fantastical dreamscapes and nightmares where reality kind of bends and contorts and like it, it, it it's really indulging in a lot of gross visuals and descriptions of terrible violence and terror um violence is not something that we're like not used to in in, in ryukishi's work and his writing mm-hmm. it, it, it's always there um one of the main reasons I'm drawn to his work is like I'm not ashamed to admit that I like violence in my media, um, but that's a lot of people. I think yeah. there's a there's an indulgent aspect yeah. to diving deep into that. Even in even in things like that opening narration, there's a I think there's um, there's something kind of primal that it taps into that feels yeah. good in like a roller coaster way to being to engage with. Yeah, not for everyone. But the way this, like the way the character is narrating this thing that happened, it's like your typical. Like it's a, I think that it's probably relatable in some way. Like everybody's kind of had that thought of, man, what if I'm just like running down the street and I just and a car just fucking runs me over? Like what if that's it? What if that's the end of my story? I think that like, at least people who maybe have, who maybe kind of live in a a, a, a headspace that I've lived in through some points of my life maybe those are kind of things that you've thought about but like this is an, a way more indulgent version of that and that's kind of like the, the, like this is Ryukishi kind of indulging the, the, the type of violence that he, he hinted at in Umineko and Kakonia but like this is him just letting loose with it and, and, I, and I feel that it, and it's a lot more intense uh, mm-hmm. than those games um, it's very indulgent and that's totally fine like I, sometimes you're, a writer needs a, a space to play in and I feel like that's what he's doing here with the, the, the violence and the darkness that he gets to play around with in this game um, but I really need to kind of emphasize up front that like, like you do need to kind of know what you're going into with this game because it is his most intense content I've ever read myself and I've read through Higurashi, Umineko, and the first game of Kikonia. Um, and nothing in those games really hits. Uh, this game is not for the faint of heart. Um, the strongest content warning I think I can give would be the second chapter has a scene that is very clearly meant to be a rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lingers on it in a way that was uncomfortable enough for me to not stream the rest of the game. Uh, because I had started this as a streaming project, but I because I didn't know what the rest of this game would be, um, I didn't feel comfortable streaming the rest. There's nothing that gets worse than that particular scene in the game, mind you. Um, like that, like, like, and I ended up kind of being bummed out a bit by the end because I was like, oh, nothing got worse than that, and I canceled all the streams. Stream that, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Like, yeah. Um. So. Yeah, like that 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 up front, like if, if if you're squeamish, even if you're like into Ryukishi stuff, I was this is in 
intense in a way that I was not expecting it to be intense. Um, didn't bother me in particular, but like if, if, if you're somebody that can be a little squeamish, yeah, like that's that that's mm-hmm. gonna happen. Um, Honestly, the only thing I had heard about this game, mm-hmm. like once, I, I heard like one person, a stranger, like two a year and a half ago, say like, "Ooh, Iwaime is very problematic." I was like, "All right, let's <laughs> let's hear how this goes." I think <laughs> like, that, like I, I, no no the rape scene. The rape scene is probably the most problematic part of the game mm-hmm. that I kind of like. Just that's just kind of my own sense of what I feel is problematic and like like. Yeah, but that's just kind of like that's those those are my boundaries, you know. I think um, that's completely fair. I don't think that like like I feel that the violence and, and all this stuff is exploitative, you know, for the reason for the ways that it is for for a reason. Um, but that might not land the same way for everybody, and I understand that. Uh, so I'm not going to mm. sit here and try to say like, oh, you're a big pansy if you can't deal with it. Like if you can't if you don't want to deal with like a rape scene that's very clearly a rape scene. You know, despite the fact, like, this is the censored version of this game, and I was still a bit squicked out. Like, it, like it involves like a tendril being jabbed repeatedly into a girl's thigh, and I think you know what they the the original writing probably went for there. Mm-hmm. So, given that, I believe the thigh is usually meant to represent um, something else in in in. in some religious uh, concepts. Uh, so something being jabbed into one's thigh over and over, and then uh, having a liquid shot into it. Um, I think we know what that scene was originally. Mm-hmm. So, if that makes you uncomfortable, maybe don't play Waihime. But that only happens once, uh, and I don't think that anything else like that really ever happens. Again, there's some mentions of uh, rapes having happened but they're not uh, explicitly uh, shown in detail in the way that this particular one is described. Which also happens in a nightmare world, which I know doesn't make it mm-hmm. any better, of course, but that's as kind of creepy and weird as the nightmare stuff gets. So, the story beyond the nightmare stuff and the weird curse stuff uh, and the violence is basically, it's a horror romance story. Romance, like that's not like usually kind of uh, a, a part we get from Ryukishi. Like I feel like there's implied romance from some stuff in Higurashi and, and Umineko, but it's not something that's usually kind of the main point of a story. Whereas this game is very much a romance that is tied uh, in with its horror element. There, there's like there, there, there are three main, language. There, there are three main girls and another and, and another girl. Obviously, there's, there's like the, the the main character you see kind of adorning all of the box art, and three other characters who who all kind of get like their own fleshed out stories, and like they all are immediately attracted. Uh, they're all immediately attracted to cool new boy who just arrived in town because hey, that's what you do when you're uh, romance visual novels. Everybody loves the new boy. <laughs> Uh, and the story is kind of all about navigating those uh, situations and sort of uncovering why these people keep having these awful walking nightmares, why they're haunted by them so constantly, and why everybody seems so drawn to this new boy. Um, so, and and um, the structure is kind of set up uh, very similar to Riyakishi's other work where you get like four or five chapters at the start where shit is just off the wall crazy. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the back half of the game is like putting the pieces together to make it all make sense. And um, like, I, I think that it will obviously draw comparisons to his other work. I don't think that the characterizations uh, and the stories are as strong as his other works, but that's also due to the fact that with his other works, like you've got, you get their multi-game series rather than just one game where you get a chapter. So it's just like those other games, you can dedicate a full game to one character's mm-hmm. story. Whereas like this, you get like two to three hours of setup for a character and then two to three hours payoff in the second half uh, with their finale. So mm-hmm. like, so, so, so even though it doesn't have the time to mature, like, his 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 older games like everything still comes together with like these really emotionally satisfying climaxes uh, especially the finale like the, the, you you got to stick the finale in a game like this obviously and it's it absolutely does it, it like i was just like yep this is a love story and it's just the way it's being told is it's it it, it, it there's a lot of longing there's a lot of pining <laughs> there's a lot of like like lo- a love for the century kind of thing going on um and it's also basically one of the most john visual novels i think i've read <laughs> like it's it's got the over the top violence and gore the imagery it's got trauma it's got a very good boy protagonist <laughs> uh you could literally call him anime jesus at a few points with just how altruistic oh, he is does he does he martyr himself I'm not, gonna say. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. Like, like this main character is basically if Keiichi Maibara wasn't a hot-blooded headass, and <laughs> and he was more of just like a stoic, disciplined boy with the focus only on saving the people that he cares and about, and a heart of gold, and a heart of gold. Uh, like John, I think you absolutely love this game. <laughs> like I, I think so too. Like yeah. it's it's just like yeah, yeah. Like indulgent. Like, like, indulgent as this work might be with its violence, uh, with, with, with its darker imagery, with, with the, the really just terrifying places that it can go sometimes and kind of mm-hmm. just make you feel squeaky a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, Ryukishi, he cannot hide the, 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 the empathy that he has, I think. Like, I think that that's mm-hmm. core to all of his stories. Even when he's being, like, the most dark and, and just sinister... He's like the. You, you come to understand a lot of his values, I think, through his work. Uh, things that are very important to him, that messages that he's very clearly trying to get across. Uh, because a lot of similar themes run through his games. Like, he's very empathetic towards children and teens. Uh, and the Actually, struggle. children and teens who adults are mistreating yes. in some way. Who, like, yeah, like, and the shitty things adults throw on to children. Like, I mean, that's definitely like, like, Kikonia and Umineko in particular, you know, that's there. And you get a lot of that in this game. Uh, mental health and the importance of addressing things like mm-hmm. depression, uh, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, like, how it feels, you know, to, to, um, be someone who's dealing with, with the aftermath of sexual assault, Mm -hmm. uh, things of those natures. These are things that he, you know, you, you, to, to, you have to put, he puts his characters through the ringer a lot of the time. Uh, he makes them have to go through and have it, have to deal with some really horrible shit. Mm 
but he's empathetic because it's not to be exploitative. Um, yeah. His stuff always comes off as somewhat like he wants somebody to find themselves in his work so that they know they can come out the other side a better person. So even when... Oh, that's so nice. So oh, that's e- so beautiful, Polly. So, so even when he's writing something as dark as this game can get and some of the horrible, terrifying places that these characters mentally have to go, I feel like he's trying to reach someone and just say, Mm -hmm. there's a better side to this. You can come out the other side a better person. Um, And that still comes through. It, It came through in Higurashi. It comes through in this. Um, I suspect that when I revisit Umineko, I'm going to find those things, and I'm pretty sure that that's a theme that's going to come through in Kikonia as well, is that you can be mm-hmm. someone who went through some pretty bad shit, which that ties back to her whole Heaven's Feel thing earlier. <laughs> you thought I wasn't paying attention, probably. <laughs> um, you, you can come out of the other side of trauma uh, uh, and still be a good person, and a, you know, see yourself as someone that is allowed to have good things. Um, and that's something that's so consistent with Ryukishi's work and why I think that like, like, like maybe Iwaihime might not be his strongest offering. I still think that if you're into his work and you can get yourself through like kind of the grosser things that are there because that's kind of like the trial that your his characters have to go through to get to where they need to be you'll get both, you know, like that catharsis and, and, and you'll also get the catharsis of this very nicely done love story as well. So that's kind of the thing with me and him is like the idea of like Ryukishi being more overtly indulgent and just kind of luxuriating in the, those moments of violence and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really exciting to me. Cause like as a, as a fucking 16 year old, like that's what I was watching. Higurashi was, mm-hmm. I was ex- excited about the, was excited about the, the, the violence. Yeah. Um, and then you watch it and you read it and you get through it. And then you realize like there's this huge beating heart underneath all that. And that's just kind of the, the the hook to bring you in yeah (laughs) and i feel like i feel like um even if he's even if he's being extra indulgent he's really going over the top with it i feel like i can always trust him to bring it home and tell be like tell a warm uh to have a a warm human core there that's empathetic and isn't ultimately like reducing any one character to an object isn't reducing one character to the relationship with this other character it's them treating them all as people yeah yeah and i think that that's sort of like why i disconnect with fate and nasu and why i connect so much with ryukishi's work is that there's always like i feel that there's a human there's a beating human heart in the middle of all of the stuff that he does um and I feel that he writes the things that he does because he's trying to reach people as well mm-hmm. as tell good stories, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, I think that's why like, even when he gets into these dark places, it never feels like it doesn't feel at least to me like icky or, yeah. or like it's exploitative the same way as Nasu or Ibuchi when they d- dove into the same thing in the same format. Yeah. 
Like, like, like Ryukishi, uh, that dude's real good. Higurashi's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. I'm really excited for this fall. Like, every yeah. screen cap you showed me, I really, I really want to meet my, I want to meet my caterpillar wife. Yes, Polly. you want to meet your caterpillar wife. Yeah, somebody turns into a caterpillar. It's great. <laughs> Man, and this, like, there was one description, like, a real funny story, uh, before mm-hmm. we close it out. Um, there was um during the the, the, the scene with um that, that was the implied rape scene mm-hmm. that they they do a very vivid description of the tendril that's slinking up her leg uh and like rearing up to dive into the flesh and the mm-hmm. way that the the preceding text boxes they used to describe the the way the tendril pulsated and dripped and oozed liquid, <laughs> I actually gagged on. I've never, <laughs> I've never read a description of something out loud before and had a visceral actual gag reaction and have to stop for like twenty seconds and be like, hold on, what that was what. <laughs> Jesus, it's so funny! It was, I was so, so sad. I missed that stream. I, I still got. Like, the, I've got. I've got the videos, John. I can send them to you. They're just privated. Don't worry. I can send. Okay, them to cool. You. I'm glad they're not lost. They're not lost. I will I, read. I will read this, and then yeah. I can find out. All right, here's what happens. Here's how a stream can go in such a way that makes Molly <laughs> go. I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, then. Yeah, I was bummed that I didn't finish streaming it because I think it's like it would have been a really good. I think people would have really liked the story and and, and just like just mm-hmm. how everything uh came around. <laughs> yeah, I privated videos of me gagging. Seems so strange. Yeah, like I was so much good energy. Yeah, immediately. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, John, you. Yeah, this is. Yeah, you're gonna. This is my shit. Yeah, this is the most my shit. This is the most my shit humanly possible. Yeah, it's literally just like I live for edgy VN shit. And this is Ryukishi going whole hog on edgy VN shit. Like, yeah, like of course. And, and it's a romance. I didn't know that. And it's a romance. It's a love right? story. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's your, 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 it's your shit entirely. Like you're like literally, like literally, some of the moments in Higurashi that stick with me the most are literally just like, we'll grow up in a normal way. We'll fall in love in a normal way. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh. This this story's got so many shades of things that will remind you of Higurashi, like oh, intentional or not. There's mm. just like like they're not like direct references, but there's like the way certain things play out, the way certain things are are worded. <sighs> I also got to give props to the localization of this game. It reads like a fucking dream. It's it's immaculately translated and localized. It it reads like it's so smooth. It's it, it, awesome. it's very well done. That's so stunning. Every every screen cap you sent me. The I, I watched the first. Yeah, I watched you were the first, the like, first... 15 minutes. Yeah. And, and I kind of dipped back in throughout that first stream, and mm-hmm. I was like, every single time, I was like, yep, this is good. Oh, there's some foot licking. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah, what? wow. Yeah, He's that really was just going weird for it. Out, of, out of nowhere, like, what is going on here? <laughs> what? Like, weird goth girls out here sucking toes, and I've got to read it. Great! 
on stream. Yeah, I'm sitting I, I, there, and it just it just completely blindsides me because I don't know what's going on in the scene, and then it's just like she removed his toes from her warm, moist mouth, and I'm like, <laughs> I just read that. Oh, jeez. I'm glad the videos are still there because yeah. it's, it's very it is fun when you get like oh <laughs> yeah when things catch me off guard I think it, it's probably really good reactions. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love visual novels, Polly. Uh, visual novels are great. They're fantastic. More people should mm-hmm. read them. <laughs> Absolutely. This is like my. This is like. It's. You know the shit, you know, in Tatari Rigoshi, where he is in his head and Dancer 7 starts playing and he starts vividly thinking about how he's going to murder a guy. Yeah, yeah. And like that, the way that internal monologue goes and the way that presents itself and the way that plays with the music, I'm just like, that's it. That's peak that's, visual that, novel. That's the visual novel shit I'm all about. Yep. And this just looks like a ton of extremely good visual. Oh, man. Like, and I I didn't even talk much about the boy. You know, the boy that is Mm. basically just anime Jesus. Like, he's so so altruistic and so just unwavering. (laughs) It's almost like it's almost a satire if I didn't know that it was just so damn earnest. Like, earnest. It's just like, like, I rolled my eyes at this character for like two chapters and i was just like <laughs> god damn it i can't because it's so like it's so earnest you're just here like i have to take this for what it is Ryuki, she is a sap yeah that is he is a fucking sap and him. that is what you get out of this story is just like oh you know like ugly and gross and terrifying as it can be it's still fucking sappy it's still fucking ryukishi and doing all of his all of his things, all of his Ryukishi things. Yeah, it's all which is here. very good. The gang's all I'm here. The band it. got back together. This is the greatest hits album. <laughs> it's only like it, how long did Beat says it's only like fifteen hours. Is that correct? Um, I did. I I did about twenty ish. I think that's still me. very punchy. Yeah, it's it's pun. Yeah, I did. Yeah, my thing says twenty hours, and I've got like the DLC, which I think is about three hours. So. Cool. Yeah, extra violent Yukishi that's 20 hours instead of 80. Yeah, so like, I'm, yeah, that I'm works. gonna do this before Room Echo, sorry. Yeah, that works. That's fine. Awesome. Man. Fuck what a, yeah. What a weird, Fucking love visual yeah. novels. Visual novels are great. Hmm. Ah, so good. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, yeah, like, it was, it was absolutely, like, I, 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 like, when the stream went off, went off the rails, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, man. Like, but, you know, you gotta have confidence that it's you know a very good writer who knows what he's doing it's just like this might Mm -hmm. seem exploitative but hear me out and it's just like okay you make it land i get what you're going for here i know like i understand what this is a metaphor for like now like i know Mm -hmm. why that scene is the way it is and what it's signifying uh because obviously all that shit gets explained in the answer portion of the game (laughs) I wonder if uh, I wonder if it not being a seventh expansion jo- joint and it not being his art and everything and being like very resolutely his own brand maybe made him feel a little more free to just kind of to just let go, go hog wild. Yeah, like I feel like somebody just like here's our scenario. This is the idea. Here's the keys. You get back to us when you're done. Oh, that's so cool. There's even a few Higurashi sound effects in it just to kind of yes. to tie it all together. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, those are, those are license-free, so of course you got to use them. Yeah, you got to put them in there. But I feel like they're very much in there just because because there's like a, there's also a reference to Wanya Dora, which is a uh, it's an online game uh, slash property that exists in all of his uh, in all of his games. Where it's just a fictional game, a fictional comic real. book, a fictional, <laughs> a fictional anime. It's just like it's always in all of his stuff. <laughs> Life is good. Life is good. That that's Iwaihime. Like if if you like Ryukishi and you can stomach a little more, you can stomach him being a little more extra than usual. <laughs> good. Definitely. Check I it certainly out. can. Yeah, like John, because like, you tell me this shit, and I'm like, oh yes, please. Yeah, I'm ex- extra on board now. Yeah, by all means, hop on that train. Uh, I'm gonna be there. Uh, any more questions about Iwaihime before we start winding down here? Nothing <clears throat> for me. I'm completely on board. <laughs> right. Right. Cool. Well then, I guess that means we are going to start winding things on down. So, of course, you got to give a shout-out and thanks to everybody for stopping by, uh, tuning in. It's always a blast. It's always a pleasure. Uh, y'all make it fun. We're glad that you hang around. Even when we're talking about shit you probably don't care about. Uh, <laughs> you're still here with us, and that means a lot. Gosh darn, we just sure we sure love you a lot. If you downloaded it, all that fun stuff, too. Uh, you can also catch us on Spotify now. Uh, oh yeah, Soxcast is on Spotify. So if that's where you prefer to get your podcast shenanigans, just go look for Soxcast on uh, Spotify, and we are right there. Can't miss us. We're gonna be pulling in all that big podcast money any moment now. I can feel it. <laughs> so, John Thayer, why don't you let the internet folks at home know where they can find you? Farawaytimes.itch.io and hooray! I'm finishing up a book. Oh, you finished pu- a book? Yep, I'm gonna. I wrote a prequel to. I'm writing a prequel to um, uh, Facets about how Alyssa and Lacey from that game met, mm-hmm. and I'm editing it now. And I'm gonna. I'm shooting to have it out by the end of July, um, to hit the Facets three year anniversary. And I'm also gonna. I'm kind of committing to this. I think I'm gonna do a little easy mode update so that people can. Um, play it with more items so that it's less, a little bit less terrifying. Oh, nice. <laughs> and also flip on, uh, and I'm adding to both modes. I'm adding an active weight switch. Oh, thank so you can, Christ. Yeah. Yep. So you can actually select spells and items and not die. Oh, <laughs> God. I, that's worth it. I'm there. I'm there. I'll play it. <laughs> cool. I promise you, I'll play it. Aw, <laughs> thank you. I, I, had a, I had one friend come in and be like, oh, I'm, oh, I'll, fi- I'll finally, I had multiple friends be like, oh, cool, I can finally play it. And I was like, yeah, that was, I figured. It's been three years. I can be less less precious about it. Look, Red, Red had to get over that with Mike Man too, at some point. He had to, he had to kind of admit, yeah. maybe that original version was a little stiff. Maybe it To be clear. Maybe To be clear. The original version is perfect. I'm just willing to invite along other friends for, you know. A different experience. A sure, different... Oh, I sure. thought you meant the original Mike Man was perfect. I was like, what? <laughs> no, you were a little precious about it. Uh, because it was, like, I know that it was not an easy oh, thing I to know. program at the time. Uh, it was just like, was okay, okay. Flash 4 in, like, 2002. Yeah, like, it was, it was, like, it was an accomplishment. It was great, right? But it's just like... And it when, played when like you, shit. <laughs> but it didn't even play like shit. It was just like, that jump took a little bit to get used to. 
So, like, when you went and you did the update, it was like, oh, this is a revelation. Oh, this feels nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rhett, work at the internet, people. Find you. Crunchyroll.com slash Simple Gear. Of course. And you can find me on my own big, dumb, stupid, way too old at this point (laughs) website. Talk to make people sexy.net. And you can find us on Spotify at Soxcast. Uh, And remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you.